you know, I've always loved people. At the end of the day, it's all about people. You can have food, but without the people to eat it with or to cook it with, you know, it, it doesn't really make much sense. Like you're just surviving. Welcome to the Sparkle Up Podcast, the show for service industry people by service industry people. Whether you're just off a short-staffed lunch, a double, or a clopen, it's over. Now it's time to decompress and hopefully have some laughs. We can all vent and learn from each other. You are all awesome, and we will prove that. So kick back, crack, or pack what you need. And table 12, order up! Can I get a runner, please? We are your hosts, Cosmic Smash and Rainbow Pop, looking forward to telling our stories and hearing yours about the often shared experiences in the service industry. Whether you're new to the trade, a cynical seasoned vet, or no longer in, join us this week as we talk about the beautiful and messy grind of an underappreciated career, and more importantly, the human connections we have all made in it. All right. Why am I hungry? <laughs> Probably all the barbecue talk that we all uh, the barbecue engaged top. in. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Our uh, guest today is uh, really got one hell of a storytelling vibe, man. Extremely well versed, very well spoken, and so much good knowledge to drop. Yeah, self taught. Mm-hmm. Like a very it just goes like, to show you, like if you put forth the effort and surround yourself um, with like minded, successful people, you can achieve greatness. Yeah, and I mean just stay with the passion stay with what mm-hmm. what fuels you you know it's uh there's so many opportunities that will open and present themselves to you when you just keep trying work hard show up i mean number fucking mm-hmm. one show up jesus yeah <laughs> if you're five um, minutes early you're 10 minutes late right <laughs> like, exactly whatever but uh yeah i mean one of the things that i'm just excited about with with our guest today is just his ability to bring us into the story so well and just you know yeah we didn't have to pull anything out of this this just kind of uh flowed yeah and much like the sauce on the barbecues Uh or the rub or the rub you know yeah no not too much sauce there's there's all sorts of ways right (laughs) which we get to learn about we learn about several of them Mm -hmm. yeah which is exciting and mostly we we don't technically commit any crimes but we do talk a little bit about crime people. I mean, when you make crimes, you're a crime person. When several of you do it, you become crime Crime people. people. And most of whom are from Crimea, no? I don't know if that's how it works, but... I think that's why it was named that. That makes sense. Yeah, don't look that up. Don't Google that. Don't Google that. Right. That's not fact. We're not fact-checking that. They're Crimeans, not... criminals (laughs) everybody's just a crimean crimean yeah Mm -hmm. makes more sense right um i just um you know i i know that when i brought it up to our guest today about coming on here Mm. you know he was really excited and i got the pleasure of going and having the unrecorded coffee time where we just wrapped and chatted about everything and i mean just him Talking then, I had to stop him sometimes, like, save it, save it, save it. Right, right. All like, of he this was down. so excited, and it made me excited for it. And yeah, I mean, well, I know I, that he is been through a lot, obviously, mm-hmm. 
worked his ass off, obviously. And it's open to share his experiences, you know, which is part of what all of this is, right? It's like yeah, yeah. all of your connections that you make and your your human experiences with, you know, people one-on-one or in a big setting, it's, you know, can be all sorts of positive and negative things, but coming through it with this, you know, positive mindset is a big, it's a big uh, feather in your cap, really. It's not always easy to do. And um, especially the shit you got to put up with to get there. Ugh. You know, like I, I don't yeah, know I mean, anybody that hasn't had to do that. They, those jobs are great, except for the staff and customers. <laughs> right. And the pay most of the time. And Fuck. mostly also the pay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'd say probably one of the biggest perks is just all of the food that you get to eat. Yeah, because you got to make sure you're trying shit all the time. That yeah. would be a huge perk for sure. We didn't bring that up with him, but that's okay. No, but that's, I mean, he kind of talks through that a little bit. Yeah. You know. And I do love, like, one of the coolest aspects as well is, like, his ability to just constantly be thirsting for that knowledge, you know, always open to learning more, uh, very humble throughout yeah. everything, which... Just be like, hey, I... You don't have to scream at me, but am I doing this right? Or like, you know, always wanting to, you know, see something new and then be like, okay, well, what can I do with that? How can I implement that into X, Y, or Z? Yeah. 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 And I mean, that's one of the things that I think sets him apart and made this such a pleasure for us. I think it's what also, you know, makes him successful at what he does too. True. Yeah. I mean... Yeah. Without further ado, we're going to let him tell you the rest of everything. No more adus. <laughs> yes. We're adonting the adus. Adonting the adus. <laughs> <laughs> That's a different adieu. A different adieu? Adieu is like goodbye in French, but an adieu. An adieu it's A-D-O. Oh, right. Adieu. Yes. Much ado about nothing. Noshing. Noshing. <laughs> uh, yeah. Let's bring him in. Uh, please. Welcome in moments. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening. We look forward to creating more content and helping the uninitiated learn about the service industry world. If you're enjoying the show, please do share, like, and subscribe. You can find us at sparkleuppod.com. That's with two Ps. We will be releasing merch soon as well. And if you are really enjoying the show, you can go to our Patreon to show your support. There's a link on our site and we have many levels to choose from. Thanks again. Now back to the show. So one of the things we try to do with these ridiculous microphones is try to say, I poop my pants as soft as you possibly can. Okay. I poop my pants. <laughs> <laughs> you can literally hear everything. <laughs> it's amazing. It's ridiculous, dude. Uh, yeah, well... Thanks for having me, guys. Oh, my God. Thank you for making time, man. Yeah. I mean, at this point, welcome in. Jonathan Lorenzen. Tried and true. Uh, (laughs) Gosh, so I met you back while we were both at Barkeep, and I think that we had done farmer's markets first together, right? Yeah. And that was we were were just shooting the shit. There's always some dead time. You know, we might get a little pop, but mostly just us being there to make a drink here, make a drink there, sell whatever else we could. Um, if I remember correctly, weren't 
other than just beer, wasn't Barkeep the first place doing cocktails there? Yes. Barkeep started doing a lot of satellite bars and then um, I guess finally the liquor license, all of that opened up and it made a place where people could get a cocktail at the farmer's market at 9 a.m. Yeah. Well, yeah. Lots of Bloody Marys. Lots of Bloody Marys. Goddamn, we sold so many Bloody St. Louis, man. I mean, they're not going to not. I know Barkeep was our kind of like first entry together, but, you know, we want our guests to be able to hear some of how you got into uh, yeah, restaurants, what got you... bars, all of it. So where did you like really start? Well, I think uh, it started when I was 16. I went to high, I went to a high school that had a uh, an industrial cooking class. Oh, nice! Really? So, yeah, high school. Yeah, exactly. Wow. You got people in in shop. You've got people doing like mechanic class. There is yeah. a. I'm trying to remember. There's there's like, not home ec, but people were like crafts. There's all kinds of things, mm-hmm. and it was actually such a cool little kitchen and kitchen space area that they would bus in kids from other they would bus in kids from other um, schools. Yeah. Wow. So the surrounding area would come. And uh, my teacher, uh, Mr. Kraft, he was a manager at Taco Bell. All right. <laughs> he yep. was also, he had a teaching degree, you know. Yeah, right. <laughs> but, but his claim to fame, and I will say this for the record, which I think is, looking back on it now that I've had this career in food, um, this was like one of the first people I was around. He, he warned us about the uh, the trials of working for a corporation like Taco Bell. <laughs> <laughs> Very jaded. He was jaded. slightly jaded. Yeah, yeah. and and he um, he said I back in you know this time period was a manager here, and and they would say if you create a new menu item, oh. we'll give you a stipend. We'll give you like a, a check. I don't know. Right. Whatever it was. Whatever it was. Um, And so he had the crazy idea to make something called the Nachos Bel Grande. Get out of here. Shut the front door. That's what he says. Okay. Okay, So this is what he told us to our faces. Um, And I was like, Mr. Kraft. Yeah. Yeah. But but here's the (laughs) thing. Here's the warning. Mm. He said, they didn't pay me. And they never gave me credit. And and they fired. I'm pretty sure he said they fired him. Oh, my God. <laughs> They're just like, thanks. We'll see how that goes. You're fired. Yeah. What? I'm like, it's crazy. And they just, did like a national rollout of, of the Nachos, Nachos Belgrande. Uh-huh. I would love that. if the, I hope that that's the, tr- the actual true story. Yeah. And so for, for our purposes, it is now. Yeah. It's it, on record. It's always been the story for me. Damn I always right. wanted to believe Mr. Kraft. So, yeah, he had us do a bunch of things like chili contests and um, cooking breakfast for all of the other departments that would come in. So wow. I'm 16 years old learning how to deep fry a, a Snickers bar. You right. know, just Which doing. Right. Yeah. Just. Yeah. I think that's super cool. Non-traditional. Just fun stuff to learn. Non-traditional. Um, there was a lot of like reading material as far as. Um, and I think this is kind of what I'm getting at. When you asked me like how everything started, there was a huge thing of food encyclopedias uh, by his desk. And oh, so we yeah. had some reading time. It was a three-hour class. It was a long class. Wow. Um, and a lot of that was working um, and just kind of like learning how to clean, learning how to make batter, flip pancakes, do just 
anything. It could everything. be anything. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he was like, yeah, feel free to read these books. So I picked up this huge Italian ingredient encyclopedia. Oh, fuck yeah. And I, my, my parents are, they're great people, but their pantry is very small. Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty classic, you know, that Betty Crocker lie mm-hmm. in the, you know, the, the yeah. mid-century, like, hey, cooking's hard. Buy it in a box. Exactly. Let mm-hmm. us. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you don't want to cook. It's too hard. We'll right. sell you the cookbook and the food. Yeah. And aside from some family staples, you know, things that are like my mom or dad like to make it from scratch. It wasn't really that deep. Um, yeah. And so I saw this encyclopedia and the very like I just. I kind of do the same where I open a book to the middle. Mm-hmm. I just want to see what the meat and potatoes looks like sometimes. Yeah, right. And I saw a, um, like, it was pages and pages of different types of cured pork belly. Yeah. At the time, oh, I boy, thought, yeah. wow, there's a lot of kinds of bacon in the world. I had no idea. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, this so, sounds like the Silver Spoon like book. Uh, you know, I've, I got one of these like Italian crazy huge encyclopedic. Yeah. Uh, books for whatever a person and uh, yeah it was like Ooh. that though I mean, it's just, it's like, <laughs> that's got its own story yeah that's a different story <laughs> for another time but uh, books can be an intimate gift absolutely yeah anyway so yeah I just you know I, I remember opening it up and going wow the pantry of the world this is just Italy yeah. and every region has a different kind of cured process for this one you know muscle right uh, and this one part right and so i kept turning the pages and seeing the different types of pasta and you know so on and so forth um to the point where i think i i started trying to cook eggs like a hundred different ways i heard from somebody like hey if you want to be a great chef try cooking eggs there's so many techniques you can learn temperatures Mm -hmm. timing you know just process so i started doing that and i'm pretty sure my family got really tired of eggs <laughs> <laughs> but we're so sick of eating eggs but at the same time that's that, yeah, it's exactly right there's so many ways to make an egg there yeah. are uh, yeah i've heard that too it's just like a classically trained chef it's like cooking an egg properly is a serious thing mm-hmm. yes and people don't think about that you know yeah i mean and we we could honestly as far as that you know, bag of worms. It's yeah. There is so many different ways to approach an egg. Um, so that was kind of how I started, and then I did. I didn't really. I, I kind of like took one-off jobs in the industry. I worked at a couple, like a restaurant in the mall for a little bit. Oh, yeah. Olga's. It was a Greek kitchen. People could still smoke inside oh, in the yeah. mall. Yeah. yeah, it was crazy. Um, <laughs> and then nuts. that was like I was you know, in a more religious background at the time. So I didn't have a lot of like worldly experience. No. You get into a restaurant. Everything opens the up. The doors open up. <laughs> yeah. Everything opens up. Or the doors up. come off. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure my, I had this uh, very, very flamboyantly gay manager named Mark. And he was always spending his off time in Miami. And he would come in. And I'm telling you, like, this is not a an exaggeration. He would snap his fingers like oh from side to side, like, Girl, he would literally <laughs> talk to people like that, and I have never been around any anybody of like any liberal mindsets or anything. So yeah. I really got open to kind of like how other people believe things, and um, mm. you know I've always loved people. At the end of the day, it's all about people, 
you can have food, but without the people to eat it with or to cook it with, you know, it, it doesn't really make much sense. Like you're just surviving. Yeah, absolutely. So, absolutely. Um, yeah, basically, you know, I, I started some really random things and then, um, took a break from that for a while, did a lot of different kinds of things, didn't go to college. Um, I just tried to get working knowledge and I, I tried a lot of industries, but when I got into food, I found, um, and that's kind of where things turned for me, I found sort of more of a fraternity, a lot of people who, you know, got together, we drank, we talked about our problems. Yep. Mm-hmm. I never had something like that before. I didn't, you know, have a fraternity, like in, in, I didn't go to college. So, you know, for me, all of these chefs and cooks and people I was hanging out with, um, had such great insight and they were, you know, I, I feel really lucky. I've been around a lot of amazing people. Um, I sold late night food for a while. Yeah. That was something I wanted to ask about. <laughs> I know you had mentioned that a little bit. Uh, that's a crazy one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Is that early ish on like early on? Okay. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about like that. Yeah, so let's get into that. The note I got was burritos at 3am. So <laughs> yeah. that's all I need. Take us oh, there. Mm-hmm. So yeah, hot and ready burritos. Oh, hot and ready. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So people That's could just like walk up. Yeah, <laughs> dude. We would if it was. You know, there's like three bars outside of this restaurant. It's called Bert's Chuck Wagon. It's an old school Tex-Mex place. And at night, the the owner, uh, his son was like, there. His sons actually had a couple of uh, sons that were like, hey, we're gonna sell out you know, side of the restaurant, just with a little stand, mm-hmm. have yeah. a little boom box playing some Tom Waits or, you know, like some, it could be punk music, could be KDHX. Nice. Um, really cool. Like just vibe. Sometimes people brought bongos. There's yeah. a hippie aspect to it. For sure. For sure. Yeah. And then there was burritos yep. and people would come from all these bars. And the thing that made the burritos differently was we put French fr- seasoned French fries in them. Okay. Nice. There was a recipe that one of these guys got from a, I guess he went to California, had yeah. this really unique, different, you know, no rice. And so he was like, let's do this. So we started rolling some torpedo style burritos with like a Chipotle chicken and some cheddar and French fries. So obviously <sighs> drunk people really love that kind of Eight thing. Big fans. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So <laughs> that was crazy, you know, a lot till 3 a.m. And at the same time, I was working at a farm. So I would come in occasionally with things to make guacamole or things like, you know, onions from the farm or yeah, and just chop things up. I wasn't really a chef. Like I was just kind of there hanging out, playing music. He let me cook food sometimes, but I mainly sold stuff and talked to people. Yeah. So, you know, it really got the bug going for me. I I enjoyed the service aspect and meeting a lot of drunk people on the sidewalk. Yeah. Oh, yeah. A lot more memories for you than for them. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Oh, man. I think I was just telling a guy about this. This this drunk dude walks over and says, what are you guys selling? We're like, we got burritos. He says, is that hot sauce? We're like, yeah, it's a... This one's mild. This one's very hot. It's a honey habanero hot sauce. And the guy's like, I want that. So he like puts it all over his burrito, oh douses it. And I'm like, whoa, dude. Like that's going like, to get you. Like, yeah, I'm trying to stop him in the middle of it, but he's not listening because he, he's right. in another place. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I'm like, whoa, dude, 
you're going to want to put the toilet paper in the freezer tonight. <laughs> That's my thought. And he takes one bite, noticeably becomes dissatisfied within like five seconds, mm -hmm. and says, what the hell? And throws the burrito on the ground, and it just explodes. Oh, fuck. Come on. And I'm like, no, you know, just thinking like <laughs> right. the whole time, oh, I got to sweep this up. And you just deal with weird yeah. people. That, oh, yeah. Just eat your burrito and get out of here, dude. Dude, where yeah, I tried you to, raised? Tried to get you. <laughs> tried to get you before you did that. Like yeah. just a little bit. Like it's good sauce, but maybe yeah. just a little bit. Now I want to throw the frozen toilet paper at you. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, come on, dude. So yeah, burritos were a really big part, and I guess the way that it started evolving for me was. Um, I wanted to do it outside of the confines of selling to drunk people at 3 a.m. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Because it was taking market. my weekends and I wasn't really a big person that went to the bars a lot. I'd, I preferred to be outside of the bars selling food. Right. Um, so, you know, and, and also smoking cannabis. Yeah. We were committing crimes. <laughs> right. Well, right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, at that point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was a crime then. Right. Now it's yeah. not. I was committing so many crimes at Commit. that point. <laughs> Thank God it's not crime. a crime anymore. Crime. Crime. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so so I, I basically was like, well, how can we take these places? And that, that really yeah. opened a can of worms, getting me out and to basically just see where the opportunities were that entrepreneurial bug really kicked in. And I was watching a lot of, um, you know, like mind of a chef and just oh, yeah. these yeah. different like thought leaders. And, and I really wanted to keep learning like I had been in school, like when I was in the industrial cooking class. So I just took it as an opportunity to just, I, I didn't really, I wasn't uh, accountable to anybody. I just wanted to learn. So yeah. I started calling people, Hey, can I sell burritos outside of your space? And some people were like, nah, man, we're not interested. And then, um, I had a few, uh, people that were like, Hey, we got a beer festival. Would you roll up? Yeah. I had no idea what the legality of it was. So exactly. I literally just rolled up and sold burritos. Right. It was right. very illegal. And they, right. yeah, they're not, <laughs> crimes. They're not more playing. crimes, <laughs> more crimes. This is the crime episode. Yes. <laughs> but at a beer festival, yeah, I mean, I gives I was lucky to dodge the health inspectors. Sure, but people loved it. Yeah, they don't. They yeah, they want that there. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. It, it sucks that there's always so many steps to get you know your licensing or be sponsored by a specific actual like vet uh, venue that already serves food, right? So they can say, yeah, what he's doing is covered by our health stuff, right? It's like the like it's, overarching and yeah, it's so health. dumb sometimes. It's like. You can come. I got it's hot food. I got it heated up. It's right here. Like, yeah, it does feel in some ways that people do overcomplicate things. Right. Well, um, I mean, on the other side, I understand that people are also like, we got to make sure you're not putting like cyanide or <laughs> right, well, crime some, in this burrito. Yeah, no crime. Somebody <laughs> did something fucked up one time. And mm -hmm. it's now we got to have freaking laws for you people. Yeah. That's oh. how it always goes. Yeah. So. You know, being out there was cool, but I think the thing that kicked it into overdrive for me and got me to my next point was, you know, I, I went out there and I, when I was calling people, I realized a lot of people have permits. You got to pull permits for yeah. a lot of stuff, including uh, propane. Wow. I, yeah. I mean, it, it that makes part sense. I didn't know. Yeah, sure. 
Right, but don't blow up the place. And we don't want you to blow it up. Mm. It is a, an it obstacle. It is the crime episode. <laughs> it, it, this is crime 101. <laughs> Here's how you blow up the hospital. <laughs> Here's how to run an illegal burrito stand, brother. <laughs> um, so, and it's funny because this actually circles back around to during the pandemic. So we'll... Oh, nice. I actually ended that. up doing burritos again later. Nice. Like a 2.0 kind of thing. Nice. But uh, I, I got all this kind of pushback. And I, it's now that I felt like I couldn't do it. It's just sort of, I felt a little overwhelmed. And so instead, what I thought would be more simple, and it wasn't, it was just a different way of thinking about it, was to buy an offset smoker. And I, I got a huge smoker. I didn't start with like a little Smoky Joe. <laughs> right. My right. parents were like, couldn't you just get a smaller, like you've never done this before. Could you just get a smaller smoker? And I got a 1500 pound. Go bigger, go home. Yeah. Go, yeah. I was like 1500 pound. Yeah. I was like, mom, Holy dad, fuck. I have a vision. Exactly. <laughs> like a 1500 pound smoker with like welded, you know, wrenches on for handles. And you know, it was huge and it was on a trailer. Um, there's a half barrel cut where you could like, grill steaks or whatever up on the front. Yep. And then me and my dad, we built, um, we built a sink. We went to like the, you know, plumbing supply store. Yeah. I found a cabinet on Craigslist that somebody was throwing away with a sink top. We put a faucet in there, put a, an RV pump. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was doing, it was a very DIY project. And the main thing that I decided to do was just stick with wood fire. So screw, you know, the alternatives. Mm-hmm. And I thought I was doing something to save the world at the time. <laughs> I wasn't. I was just right. really enjoying cooking things on wood fire. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I was doing that. And my buddy's like, dude, you got to check out this spot in Belleville. It's called Beastcraft Barbecue. Have you guys ever been? No. No. Actually, but... I hadn't even heard of it until you had brought it up to us. Like, okay. we'll, we'll have to check it out. Still open? Oh yeah, so okay. it's, it's actually expanded. Nice. It's in a different. Uh, it's in two spots now. But my buddy's like, "Listen, man, you really like food. You like wood fire. You're you're all about this like barbecue thing. And I think you should check out Beast. There's no can openers. There's no microwaves. Nice. There's no freezers. It's all stuff that's done really well. The owners actually like got a chef mentality. Fuck yeah." And yeah. I'd never worked for really anybody like that, um, at least like really handling those responsibilities. I show up, I interview with him, and uh, he's like, tell me about yourself. And I said, my smoker is 1,500 pounds. I've cooked for these many people. Um, I run it like a sailboat because there's no electricity or <laughs> right. it's all yeah. the wind. It's wind powered. <laughs> it's wind, wind powered smoker. <laughs> nice. And I, here's the kinds of woods I like. And here's why I don't really like hickory. Here's why, you know, it's just kind yeah. of yeah. barbecue dudes, barbecue people chop it up. And they, they say, it's kind of like church. Mm-hmm. Like, well, my favorite scripture verse is this. Yeah, you know? right. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I actually realized that Dave, David said that to me. He said, dude, people think about barbecue like religion. Yeah. I like my ribs this way. I'm a Southern Baptist. I'm a Northern Baptist. Uh-huh. Right? Like, but they take uh, it seriously, I, right? Exactly. Yeah. And so I, I developed over that time a, a barbecue doctrine, if you will, and what I really like. Um, and that opened a lot of doors for me. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, David was a saucier and 
um, and a handful of other things. And then he had the dream and vision to start Beast. And I was there for like the second year that it opened. Um, he didn't. He did really well the first year, but the guy that was helping him run it, <laughs> actually the first day I showed up to help him, there was this extra event going on. And he asked the guy who was helping him, who's just kind of using the place as a placeholder job. Mm-hmm. He wasn't there to like really, he wasn't passionate about cooking. Yeah, just, no. yeah, just well, making that money. It comes to the surface pretty quickly, right? Yeah, and, and I get it. There's a lot of people that just have food work placeholder jobs. They're Stepping there. stone to, yeah. Exactly. So, so he's like, hey, I need you to cook this pasta for the mac and cheese. The dude pulls a pot out, pours all the mac and cheese. Oh, no. He p- no. pours all of the macaroni no. into the pot and then no. pours cold water. No. no. And I don't, dude, I haven't worked in, at this point, I hadn't worked in a lot of restaurants. Right. But I knew and you knew how to, to boil not do a that. goddamn pot of water before you yeah. put the goddamn uh, pasta in. And uh. I could just see on David's face just how mad. You, he was just kind of like, I'm a little tired of this. Yeah. Well, because, I mean, no joke, what that guy did, that's a crime. <laughs> that was the actual crime. That yeah. was the crime. You're doing exactly. it wrong, bro. Exactly. I could have yeah. smoked weed in front of my grandma, and it would have been better than putting cold pasta at that time. Yeah. Putting putting the yeah, pasta in the pot first doing? before adding cold water. No. Yeah, that's dumb. Yeah, it was it was crazy. So, I mean, it's funny that all the things you see people do backwards. It's more like, how much do you really care? Yeah. Right. I mean, if you don't know, ask. But... You either don't give a shit or you just don't know. And it sounds like this guy did not give a shit. He didn't. Yeah. He was the kind of guy that would, he would always be late for work and like drive <sighs> to work with the frost still on the windshield because he was that late. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Like, like the Ace Ventura kind of yeah. like head yeah, out, out the, the <laughs> <laughs> like I remember seeing him pull up to work like that. So I started oh, calling him Ace Ventura. Like, what's up, Ace? Yeah, because yep. he was like, what? And I'm like, yeah. No, no, right, don't I don't have time to <laughs> Just uh, defrost your windshield and be here on time, please. <laughs> right. Jesus. Yeah. All right. So from Beast, like what, what's some of the best takeaways from working there? Um, Beast Craft Barbecue, as far as how you started to develop more. Man, I, I mean, aside from like all of the the philosophy around how so under my apprenticeship you know david talked a lot about one of the examples the pork steak uh-huh. very very much a staple around here yeah he was doing like one and a half inch to close to two inch damn pork steaks mm-hmm. yeah and, and the process for that was very much you know the dry rub the smoke the wrap and then once that was cooked till you know everything broke down just enough to where it was still holding together but really juicy yeah. oh nice. yeah just yeah. a fork that's all yeah. you need yeah you could poke it and you'd be like wow this is this is tender but it's just got a little bit of a poke to it right yeah. and then from there it's the glaze with that really nice almost like a gastric oh nice barbecue mm-hmm. style yeah and then sear on both sides and send it out. Yeah. You're not getting a, a really drenched, saucy right. barbecue. Um, and he used that. That was a really important technique, at least for the pork. It was a lot of glaze and sear. And David was really adamant about that. And I'll tell you what, man, that 
just having uh, somebody in my life that was like, hey, this is the way I want it done. Yeah. And, and it was mm-hmm. a great, it was a great end result. People rave about the pork steaks. He's selling them actually now at the uh, new soccer stadium. Oh, oh fuck sweet. yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, and, and it's, it's a lot of love That's and no care yeah. that goes into it. So you're at the stadium eating a really nice, like one and a half to two inch, whatever he's doing. I, yeah. I need to like probably go buy another one. I made so many of them that I was just, yeah, right, you're not even thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, from, from there, you know, like I would say definitely a lot of sauce and, and just sort of like how things come together, how the whole process, um, just days before has to start, you know, trimming right. things, brining things, you know, um, having a lot of just everything from scratch. So like no can openers, for example, right? like you said, yeah, yeah. You're using Soaking all fresh mustard ingredients. seeds, yeah. it, you know, doing the beer, pro, you know, making like a beer mustard, doing it really from a very well thought out recipe from scratch. Yeah. That was crazy. Cause I could have went another direction. I could have worked at an Applebee's. I could have gone in the, you know, cut a bag and heat it up. Applebee's. Yep. Were you front or back? Uh, mostly front. So you got the better end of the deal. <laughs> yeah, I was fry guy for a little bit, but Oof. yeah, brutal. It so, made me appreciate how much I enjoyed bartending. You know, oh yeah, and like, you get to this with is bartending much you get the drama. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You get to hear all the drama from mm-hmm. each side. Drama you want to hear. You don't want to oh, hear yeah. the kitchen drama. No, I, I mean, don't know. I kind of enjoyed that drama. I, yeah, I mean, I worked a lot of expo too. So I mean, you get to where you just you're in the front of the house, but you're in the kitchen. You know, so it's like. For those that don't know, I know you know, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, going the other direction sounds so much more enjoyable yeah. <laughs> than the Applebee's direction. Expo's a crazy position. It's like the only position you can really linger in the doorway. Right, mm-hmm. exactly. It's actually yeah. your job is to it's, kind of linger in the doorway. Yeah. <laughs> You're the gatekeeper. Yeah. I mean, it's... Right. I'll tell you when to run these plates. Like, you don't touch my plates. Right. Don't touch that. <laughs> don't. Well, I mean that, that. I think that sets up kind of where mm-hmm. you you gave us again. You gave us some good notes to the, to the next step. So from Beast, is that when you started to go to the south and start traveling around? Is it kind of in that same well, like real wheelhouse there? Yeah, that summer, I just you know continued the learning journey. I'd been really just at home practicing non-barbecue related things. Sure. And I decided, man, it would be really be really nice to go eat food and and to sort of develop an opinion because I had I had no idea yeah. what I even liked or didn't like. We didn't go to nice restaurants. I never grew up around that. It was cheap Tex-Mex or takeout, you know, Chinese takeout or, mm-hmm. you know, that sort of, or it was from the store or it was frozen. Mm-hmm. I never had an experience previously in my life where I could really be a part of a restaurant like, like Gordon Ramsay or the people I was seeing on TV. Right. right. Yeah. So I guess to transition from that into, I think James Beard got on my radar. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, partly because at the time Beast was on Eater's heat map and that was, the first time really there was a online publication putting out here's a top 10 map list of what's hot based on data and they they aggregated a lot of data from you know TripAdvisor and Yelp and 
they were they were kind of like at the time I think trying to figure out how can we how can we provide people the top places yeah, to experience. list of what are the best yeah. area like regional spots in this in this yeah and guess what number one was Beast Craft Barbecue. Beast Craft Barbecue. Goddamn Boom. right, <laughs> dude. It was cool. I, I mean, how dude, was, have we not gone? We gotta go. We are super going. Yeah. Yeah, we'll go there and, and you look at the restaurant. Mm-hmm. You look at the restaurant map, and you see all these St. Louis ones. Yeah, and you're like, "Where's number one?" And you like take Cross the map the and you go over to Belleville. Uh huh. You scroll over there and you're like, "Where huh. is that?" And it's by like Belleville County Fairgrounds. Yeah, just it, over yeah. in Belleville. Just that's which crazy. Is right by a bunch of farmland. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> and and for that for that reason, it's like. That's why I think it really opened a lot of doors. We started getting invited to, um, I think Ian Frobe came in, um, did a review, invited us to do a tasting. And I just met a lot of people that, you know, were interested. They liked barbecue. I was, you know, glad, uh, gratefully I was naive. I didn't really, (laughs) I I was just bright eyed and bushy tailed and ready to go shake anybody's hand that was in you know, it was a chef or even any, just doing anything food. Well, and it just, you just open up at that point, right? Like yeah. you just leave your mind wide open, you shake a hand and you just absorb. It's beautiful. Yeah. I didn't really have like a, a lot of expectations from people. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it was more just like, Hey, I'm, I'm meeting you. I'm learning. I'm learning from you right now. And, uh, that was really the primary mentality Around that time, I, I I did leave sort of after a lot of that stuff happened. I left and I just started hitting James Beard restaurants. I think we went to a couple places. I did hit up a lot of barbecue restaurants. Um, yeah. John Lewis Barbecue in... Um, he was doing like a Texas-style barbecue in Charleston. Oh, wow. Okay. okay. And he, he brought that over, but he worked with Aaron Franklin before. And because I was so forward and willing to talk to anybody, I met John Lewis there um, <laughs> and he just sat down with me at the table because I said, hey, I, I run a barbecue pit back here in, in Belleville mm-hmm. and, yeah. you know, we're, we're getting noticed and here's our style. And he was like, dude, let's talk. So we sat down and talked, talked about how Aaron Franklin started his um, his barbecue truck and how they did it together. And then john kind of i guess you know people grow apart so they grew apart and john their own things yeah 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 but that's the thing man and you come into it with no ego um you give a shit about what it is that you're doing and you are have the awareness to know that like there's so much more to learn and appreciate the other people's opinions of like the way that they do things in the same you know in the same vein really and yeah, I mean, they're, it turns out they're all just people too. I mean, they all started somewhere, you know, maybe not with as many crimes, but you know, <laughs> I think they're all criminals. They're all, they're all pretty they're much all criminals. criminals. There's a lot of criminals. <laughs> that's, that's a great place to hide in the restaurant industry is uh, oh, yes, filled with crime. Oh, that is awesome. a whole. What did I just say? Crime people? Am I retarded? <laughs> crime people. Those Cri- crime criminals. people. Cri- criminals. The word you're looking for is criminals. Yes. <laughs> yes. We'll cut that out. We're not going to cut it. I'm not going to cut it. Not In God. this episode, crime people. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Maybe that's how we started off. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it, it was a lot of things. And then he also recommended, here are some fine dining spots, because he's been in the game long enough to know, like, 
I found that a lot of people that are making a really great product from start to finish with good service and really that whole thought out, a lot of them do have that hospitality background. And when they're thinking about their concept and investing in it and getting investors like John Lewis, he was like, these are the spots you should go check out if you want a course out dinner. Yeah. Nice. You want the small plate stuff made from scratch from farmers. Yeah. So he did kind of tip me to that kind of thing. Um, yeah. And so I, I just came back from all of these trips. I went to Burn Co. in Oklahoma City. And okay. that was crazy. They invited me back. A lot of these barbecue places will be like, if they know, if you talk shop with them for a exactly. second. And they know like, hey, you're not just like. A schmo. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like you're not doing, you're not. Not trying to just like rip us off. or not scamming anybody yeah, here. Yeah. yeah. It's like, hey, I'm a. I'm a medical sales specialist and I like to barbecue in my green egg in the backyard. No, nothing wrong with that. But when you're a part of that, it's almost like a yeah. fraternity mm -hmm. and, and it's like, oh, well, this is kind of a region. I do it. They invited me back and it was like all these little, it was all a hundred percent charcoal at Burnco. Okay. Wow. And the way that they do their brisket, he showed me like right there is they cut that, the, the decal out, like the, of the in between that cap and the, the base of the brisket. Mm -hmm. And and so they kind of make it thinner so that they can get that seven hours of smoke on the charcoal. Wow. And then it's wrapped, but it's not like what a lot of people do. John Lewis is 18 hours. Wow. Jesus. Yeah. And so that's offset. Cut some of that time down by. Yeah. So, so they had like a direct, you know, beneath sort of, you know, cut down brisket with a water pan providing just mm -hmm. that that nice, really hot steam, but still really caramelizing it. And then John Lewis, that was like offset smokers for 30 feet on each smoker, you know, big long, we're talking long boys, like like a train. Yeah. Wow. And that's 18 hours. That's so crazy. you see these two different, you know, people are coming at two different ways and they both have an amazing product. Yeah. Yeah. Different beef, I think, I don't know if they both use Prime. I know John Lewis does, but um, I just realized there are so many ways to do this. Yeah. And and I opened my mind up to that. And after I hit that learning point of just that realization, wow, just like the encyclopedia, there's so many ways to cure this pork belly. Depends on the region. Depends on what's available to you. Who's your best friend? Who, what your dad taught you? Who, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that kind of really intellectually helped me to see barbecue as a stepping stone to, I had not been working with vegetables, like barely at all. Right. I'd, I'd been only working with meat and I was really, I've been starting to go to these nicer restaurants. They've got great vegetable dishes and I'm thinking, I'm really missing out on this. I want to have more vegetables in my life. Right. In my professional life. Yeah. Right. In my not just the, yeah. <laughs> not just eating them, but yeah, right. exactly. You like know, I want to learn how to yeah. utilize a vegetable in a similar way that we can, mm -hmm. that you had already figured yeah. out meat. Yeah. I'd I felt like for the most part, there's still so much to learn with meat. Of course. Right. Oh my God. But I saw in the paper at the time we read, we read paper in those days. <laughs> um, I saw, I think it was like a printed, you know, a write up about Michael and Tara Galena coming to um, St. Louis from Blue Hill at Stone Barns. 
and wow. they were doing wood fired vegetable forward concept. Yep, exactly. And I thought to myself, well, you like I wood fire. Do, yeah, I love wood fire. <laughs> right? I want more vegetables. I need more life. vegetables. Uh, huh? Kind of sounds like I want it. Kinda you don't, like you don't want, want no part of this. You don't want any part of this. <laughs> I think I kind of want I it. I do. <laughs> <laughs> so it was cool, man. I got, you know, I, also at the time I met a really cool chef named Ryan McDonald. He was around town cooking, doing pop-ups, working on things. He kind of had, he was with these group of guys that have more of that, um, they weren't trying to be this guy, okay? They were, uh, what's his name? Uh, Anthony Bourdain. Oh, yeah. So right. so there's a group of guys in St. Louis. And they they all are very talented. They can butcher. They can make pasta from scratch. They can, I mean, they can do a lot of stuff. And yeah. I got introduced to Ryan. He was one of these guys. Very much like the Anthony Bourdain kind of martyr chef. Like, hey, I'm going to put a lot of myself into this. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. I really looked up to that. And he was one of those people in my life that, um, he, I went to a pop-up to help him around this time. And he's like, yeah, we're going to saute some fish collars. And nice. I don't have any experience on a saute station or anything. So I'm like, yeah, whatever. I'll do what I, I, um, I yeah. just, what I, please help me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so he's like, here, salt, you know, salt, blah, blah, blah. Um, so I'm like, ah, on these propane burners, you know, in the right. wild, <laughs> in the wild, <laughs> it was not like a, these were not normal settings. We right. did, he did yeah. a pop-up at, uh, the skate laborious church. Oh, wow. Okay. It was yeah. like a skate church and yeah. they were cooking food in there and it was cool. It was That's like a beer dinner. Fucking This rad. was like pre Rockwell days. Uh, they were, they were like putting some cool beer out, cool food. So Very I'm sauteing cool. these fish collars, like burning my arms. Cause I literally have no idea what I'm doing and I'm checking with him like, Hey, d does this look good? And he's like, that's good. You know? And I'm like, Oh, yeah. thank God. Right. right. So, so, you know, I, I had that opportunity and then I, I just, I saw these people. I'm like, man, I really want to work for them. So I went to this pig roast and, you know, like I said earlier, the fraternity style, like, um, and there's a lot of people there. They're all cooks. They're all, they're all cooks, front of house, bartenders, people in the industry. And they're doing this really cool pig roast at such and such farms. And I met Michael there. Everybody was actually, everybody was hunting for chanterelles. So mm -hmm. there's all these really crazy yeah, chef you're activities. Out doing this. Yeah. yeah. And I see, I see Michael and I'm like, dude, I'll wash dishes for you. And I'm lucky that I got the chance to do that because he said, sure. So he invited me to come help. And man, I really made him work for it too. <laughs> I, I was so green, dude. It was right. I really know. made him work for it. <laughs> I, he made me work for it, but like, right. I made, you know, and, right. and I think he had to give you that chance. You're like, I got another learn. question. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I was like, dude, I felt every day. I felt so lucky. I was just trying to keep my shit together at, at the time. And he was the one he was the one very successful person in St. Louis. Um, him and Tara were, they were just like, yeah, we'll give you a chance. And that's fucking awesome. It that's... was not at an easy point in my life. I was really struggling with a lot of things. I was mm -hmm. struggling with, um, you know, just a lot of depression. I was estranged from my family at the, at the time. And, um, they did a really, they really like treated me like family and it was amazing. Uh, yeah, I couldn't be thankful timing, enough. Right. That's amazing. Dude, it's like, yeah, it felt like almost divine. Like they were, they were helping me get to a better place. Yeah. And, and it really did turn things around. Um, I was willing to do whatever. And so over time, 
that that all I, I took a few other jobs and tried to continue gaining experience while that restaurant was opening. And then I basically started as an unofficial intern. Yeah. Right. And you know, he was just like, that's dirty. Clean that up. I need you to redo that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whatever and, it takes. Dude, I'm so glad that I did that and I didn't go to school. Yeah. Yeah. Right. R- rather than, and that's what, you know, you realized that school was not going to be for you. Right. And you were then able to take what you had a passion for mm-hmm. and start branching. And yeah, there was parts where you're making almost no money at all. There's parts where you go through some super lows, but you were able to just keep growing and learning and doing things. Again, you stayed with passion rather than what people were like, well, maybe you should, maybe you should do this. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy that you did too. Cause I don't think I would have met you had you that's gone crazy. to college. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's, crazy. That's, that's what I'm saying, dude. They, they opened the door yeah. for me to meet not, I mean, not only just work, with them and their knowledge, but to meet other people that also were driven different levels of experience, but everybody's coming in there saying, let's make something cool and let's learn from these people who have been operating restaurants and doing things in New York city, a much bigger pond, bigger fish. The stakes I think are a lot higher there than St. Louis. They have to be just competition base. Yeah. Yeah. So, sure. so to get that level of energy and to just be like, I mean, showing up with a healthy level of fear right? every day. <laughs> well, right. right. I mean, yeah. like, you know, I don't know from the other people we've talked to and stuff. I mean, it's something that we kind of touch on a lot. It's like, if you don't care, it's not going to be great. And you've got to be afraid to fail for it to be important enough to you to to try almost sometimes, let alone actually like, you know, attempt and then eventually succeed. You know what I mean? It's Dude. just like if you don't give a shit, like you're going to wash out. Right. Yeah. I'm, yeah. So I've got a funny. So you said wash out. Yeah. Um, so when I first got in there, when I got when Visia opened, I was, like I said, so green and uh there's a lot of people tediously working in there, just yeah. prepping for everything. Yeah. Um, and it was crazy. It was like a cook. It was like a crazy cooking documentary. I felt like I was in chef's table. Wow. It was a quiet kitchen. It was very much like, put your head down, work, ask the chef. If chef says something, just say yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was something <laughs> exactly. really invigorating about that. Uh, but they were like, hey, we need you to go wash these greens. And these are like grown at you know, organic greens are very nice. Probably the most expensive greens you can get. I've never dude at this yeah. point, And it was so embarrassing. I'd never washed salad greens before. Right. right? Like, how never. do I put water on this properly for you, chef? I didn't even, I don't even think I'd really made a true salad. Come to think of it. <laughs> at that point, has never really Maybe done like it. once or twice at beast. Yeah. yeah. But I never even really, it wasn't really a big thing for me. It was all about meat at the time and wood fire. And yeah. And so they were like, Hey, go wash these. So I I've got this big, you know, the big monster green washing machine. Yeah. Was and it the I hand saw type the that, hand oh, crank. Yeah. Okay. So I see this and I'm like, Oh, this is like a washing machine. Oh uh-huh. no. So I uh-huh. filled the damn thing up. Oh boy. It's got the tube and everything. Mm-hmm. So I was like, yeah, all the water keeps leaking out. So I guess I got to hold the tube up 
And so I, I put <laughs> I put saran wrap around the tube and a rubber band. That'll do it. And and kind of like like put the put the tube above. So and I, right. I threw all the greens in the water, and I just started slowly like whoosh, oh boy, whoosh. You know, like, imagine <laughs> oh the sound. God, right? I love this already. And and my sous chef walks over, <laughs> and he sees what I'm doing. He's like, "How are you doing?" And he stops, and he's like, "Oh, oh." oh. And I'm like, well, yeah. And I, I kind of tell him what I'm doing. Like, right. Isn't this what nothing I'm to hide? To yeah. Yeah. Right. And he goes, I see how you could think that, oh, but shit. chef's really not going to like this. So let's empty this out as quickly as possible. <laughs> so I empty it out and then just like kind of, yeah, oh, man. To, oh, dude, just try to get the water off of them, which is yeah. what that machine is designed for. And I had been, <laughs> dude, I'd been cranking that thing for like probably a minute of just oh, like, yeah. you know, let's get the dirt off these things. It's like my clothes. It's not like clothes. It's not like, no, no. It takes and a little dude, bit. There, that is just one of those moments that I remember being so green and not, not even really comprehending, like, this is how you handle this ingredient. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Luckily, I didn't get in trouble for that. We Good. made it right. Nice. Um, you know, I would say that all in all, for my experience, I was treated pretty fairly. Some people say, you know, I was. Here's the thing. I don't want to get yelled at, but I do want somebody, especially in a learning, to be very like, "Hey, you you got to do it this way," yeah. and, yeah. and to be on me. And I got that at Visia. I mean, I really yeah. it. And actually, it. it Really, even to this day, I'll be doing a pop-up and I'll have a client that's like, oh, I want this or that. And I'll show up and I'll, I'll have everything set very neatly. And I learned a lot about how to really tuck things in and cross my T's and dot my I's at that place. Because there was really no accept, there's no acceptability for any kind of mess. Or if there's a mess, you clean it right now. If there's a spill, yeah. you mop it, you dry it. Mm-hmm. It was like wet mop, dry mop philosophy. Yeah. Don't just wet mop, like yeah. be thorough. Right. Um, big, big mental shift for me. It changed everything. Um, and then, yeah, just from there, he just kept giving me more, more, more responsibilities. And I also was still hungry to work for, um, to do more. I, I needed to make more money at the time. Yeah, sure. And uh, that that's actually how we met through Matt Longville. Right. I met Matt at these pop-ups and I had a really bad day one day and he was the only person really at the time that came up to me and was like, Hey man, are you doing all right? Yeah. And I was like, no dude, no, I'm actually not. My parent, my grandparents at actually at the time had just died. flipped in a car accident. Oh Jesus Christ. And I was struggling, dude, I was on depression meds. I was getting that. So actually at one point, I think I slept in and was late for a, a pop-up because I was changing medications and th- this and that. And, and I mean, it was really tough because I wanted, I wanted them to respect me and to believe that I could handle my, my shit. Yeah. Right. But I showed up to this thing and, and Matt, he's like, dude, are you all right? And I'm like, no, man. And he like grabs my shoulder and he's like, he's like, it's going to be okay. And having that dude, that was the first time we really, he was like such a, an impactful moment for me and the start of a really great friendship. Cause I felt like he was really authentic and actually cared. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So at the time he was, you know, 
doing his own thing and just invited me in. And that's kind of the caveat to Barkeep, really. This episode is brought to you by Amaro Montenegro, our soon-to-be sponsor and favorite cordial to sip for any occasion. Beyond every team, there is a story. A good team isn't made overnight. A connection like this is rare. But when you find it, there's nothing like it. Open up and settle in. Hashtag friendship calling. Well, I would say that one of the things that you don't get at the Applebee's is exactly what you just expressed, which is somebody coming over to you, recognizing that you've got a lot going on, that your mind's not there, right? And and making note of it and, and caring. You know, I, I think that's something that you would only get with like locally owned, um, you know, restaurants or places like that, because it is like a family. I mean, it's like we were talking a little bit earlier about, you know, they spend more time there than at home, you know? So, I mean, it's, it's just really cool that you had somebody that was able to recognize that and, and give a shit enough to, you know, you know, talk through it with you. Yeah. I would say that definitely forged a, a connection for us and it made me really from the get go, really be open and respect, uh, have a lot of respect for anything we continue to do. Um, mainly barkeep. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I know that you are still there helping out once in a while, but you've got, we'll, we'll get to some of your own stuff here shortly too, because mm-hmm. we did skip right over your shameless self promotion. So we'll make time before we, uh, sign <laughs> off here. Yes. <laughs> um, but now I do think we should uh, dive into one of the things that you and I kind of gelled about. I think you went right after I got back from, I went to Costa Rica, came back and started at Barkeep. We met and then you went on a journey. Tell us about where you went. Yeah. So <laughs> I went, I had a buddy that was like, hey man, me and these guys were investing, it's a couple international investors into a property, um, three properties. I think it's actually four now. Um, it was, they were going on their fourth investment property in Colombia, South America. Mm-hmm. And, uh, in Colombia, Colombia, Colombia. Colombia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so in, in Colombia, it was, uh, it was a lot different. I had no idea what to expect and I didn't speak Spanish, but he was like, Hey, come help us. Are, it was like, so it's a company called the Dreamer Hostels. Okay. Okay. They've got great reviews. I did some research before I went. Um, really cool. One's on the beach in uh, Palomino. Must suck there, yeah. Oh, it was it Dude. was crazy. <laughs> it's like basically right where all of the sacred lands are. And oh, fuck yeah. There's lots of confluences of rivers and mountains right by the ocean and jungle and banana farms. And I mean, it's pretty insane. Um, so he was like, dude, you got to come down here. Uh, they had another location in Bogota. Mm -hmm. They had another location in Santa Marta. So Bogota is like, oh man, twice the population of LA, twice the height of Denver. Yeah. Oh my God. Very intense city. Mm Mm-hmm. That was very colonial, that that hostel and like where they were building out their kind of breakfast situation, very much colonial, had like a wood burning stove. Oh, wow. wow. But in the midst of this modern city. Um, and then Santa Marta, which is the 
death place, <laughs> the dying place, uh-huh. the criminal right. place. No, yes, <laughs> where the crime people where go. The crime people. Crime people. <laughs> um, so it's it going to be the, barbecue and crime people. Yeah, <laughs> that's it's a concept. <laughs> yes, but basically, Simon Bolivar, the liberator of Colombia, mm-hmm. uh, that was his death, like where he died. Right. Yeah. Right. So lots of like homage to that. Very much a colonial city. Um, also lots of, it's the oldest port town in South America. So lot, a lot of like cruise ships, a lot of trading ships come in there. I lived on in a high rise off the Marina. Um, so you could see all the cruise ships coming in and, uh, definitely a big place of commerce, but their, their historical, you know, square was very much old school. It was there was a lot of things that weren't modernized about it. There were some things that were, but um, really crazy. Just even the the trifecta of Santa Marta, that old port town, um, and then Palomino, the ju- you know the jungle, three hours into yeah. paramilitary ran area. So sure. there was no like I couldn't if somebody you know stole my wallet. The last thing I would want to do, even probably in the the city, anyways, right. is be like, "Excuse me, officer, somebody stole my wallet." Um, <laughs> right. No, don't want to say that. Yeah. No, because if you do that, the answer is probably going to be, "Oh, I know the guy who took it, and, and, here, uh, and here it is in my pocket, and it's mine now." No, no, he'll be, no. be like, I, oh, "I can get it for you, and we can take care of him, oh, but you'll Jesus. owe us a favor." Mm-mm. 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 No, thank you. I don't want to owe you. I don't, exactly. I don't, I don't want to <laughs> yeah. owe. I don't want to owe. And that, that I, I've had, and that's the thing. Like in in Colombia, at least in the coastal part where the costeños live, they're like they like these like credit based bargains, right? right. Trans- transactional you, interactions. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And the one guy's like selling beer on the beach. A lot of people are out there hustling for different reasons. And one guy's like. I'll, you know, I'll make you a deal. I'll, you know, I want to do business with you. He kept saying this and I'm like, I don't want to do business with right. you. Right. No, and thank he you. starts to get offended. He's like, why? And I said, cause you're my friend mm-hmm. and I don't want to do business yeah. with you. I just want to stay friends. Just be, <laughs> he was so just confused. Keep friends. Yeah. <laughs> was like, I never heard that before. Right. <laughs> Everybody's used to do, that's just the way it's done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. It's, but but in order for me to, to do business with him, I needed to borrow something so that he would, so that I would owe him. That it's a weird thing. Like I yeah. culturally, people, a lot of people explain this to me, and um, it's a big reason why you know Colombia. Obviously, what what it comes to mind when you first think of Colombia? Well, yeah. yeah, just say it. Elephant in the room. Cocaine. Yeah, cocaine. 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 Right. Let me tell you about my relationship with cocaine. Here's a hot take. Here's a hot take. Crime people. Crime people. Criminal. Justice. History. Combined. Gavel. Justice. Um, So, I mean, dude, I personally tried to stay away from that as much as I could. You know, it gets thrown in your face because it's just there. Like, the, the industry itself is huge. And... And so I was working down there. I got a visa and I did not want to get involved with the wrong people. Yeah. No, you, you don't want to mess careful, around. Man. Yeah. yeah. So I said no a lot and I never went out of my way to look for anything. Um, it, it was just, I think in hindsight, I'm really, really glad I did that. 
people are always like, you didn't do, you know, I find there's a lot of people that yeah. are surprised by it. Right. The, the criminals are always, the crime <laughs> people always wonder why, why I'm God like, damn it. you didn't do cocaine? And I'm like, well, I mean, I mean, I didn't go out of my way. Right. I'm just going to tell you what I didn't do. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, you know, being there, like there's so many stories of just people trying to, I don't even know if they call it extortion it's just sort of this weird thing. Like I, we, I was in the jungle and the, the paramilitary, you know, the, the police that are there, they're not ran by the government. They're not ran by the Colombian government. They right. just, at the time, I don't know how that's going now because there's been a lot of shifting a lot of turn. Yeah. the Colombian government, but uh, they, they would come up and they would say, where's the gringo? We want to talk to him. Oh no. And by that point I was already, yeah in a hostel room or a hotel room locked away, like looking through the blinds. Yeah, like, like, oh. Are they gone yet? <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm not talking to them. Mm-hmm. I had no reason to talk to them. <laughs> right. I had not, I had I mean, absolutely no, no reason, reason to be doing this. Right. Yeah. So I, I definitely avoided, um, avoided some things. There was another one where they, they some people are just petty down there, especially there's international investors. So you got another guy that had a property right next to this beach property. And if you take the bus in Colombia and you're, you're riding the bus, every business you pass by that, you know, like a, a bead yards or like a pool hall mm-hmm. kind of a thing. There's always a guy sitting outside with the loudest speakers playing this style of music called Vallenato. And it's like got the accordions and it sounds very happy, but it's, it's really like Costanio redneck music. Like mm-hmm. our version, like our, our country music, we're like, I lost my dog, lost my truck. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and that's exactly how Vianato is. It's okay. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So, so basically everybody's blasting this, this music. And, mm-hmm. um, this guy would blast music like at the at hostel, the pool of the hostel, and, you know, the owners are like, man, this is really frustrating because people can't just sit out and have this really natural experience. This guy's just, yeah, because mm-hmm. he's got a hostel and he's just, right. I don't know. He's, he was upset, but the guy was like, they were like, okay, let's build a wall. Yeah. And, and the dude's like, no, man, this is my country. And I know I'm friends with all the people around here. Right. And, uh, there's nothing basically stopping me from shooting you. Oof. Killing you, right? And and basically, if you build this wall, it's it's gonna be a problem. It's gonna be, it's a gonna be yeah. I'm gonna have a big problem. <laughs> and I don't with care. That. And guess who cares? Nobody, because yeah. this is my town. That's basically yeah. exactly like yeah. I'll be it, here longer than any of you ever will. Yeah, <laughs> right, witnessing kind of that kind of thing just open and blatant, That's um, crazy, was a big you know you know a lot of police policia. They were like, hey, do you have money for my family for Christmas? Um. I didn't go down there with a lot of money. No. I was on a very, you know, now granted the dollar was like three X right. the value. So, you know, I, I had a high rise spot that I was staying at and that rent was insanely cheap compared to like the equivalent. If you were in Miami or anywhere with that equivalent of, yeah. it would have been, you know, I think it would have been like an $10,000 apartment a month, Jesus. you know, minimum. Yeah. Um, and, it was definitely not even anywhere close to that. Imagine taking a 30 minute Uber ride across or going from downtown St. Louis to Chesterfield and, and boom, you, you got 35, 40 minutes and boom, you spent $3. 
Oh yeah, right, exactly. Oh my gosh, dude. Yeah, very different. And yeah. so that that was a thing, like learning how to negotiate with people and be like, ah, oh, that's a little expensive. Go to the next guy. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that those cultural interactions mm-hmm. that people see you and they they look at you and they go, this guy's got money. Jokes on them. I didn't really have a lot of money at the time. <laughs> right. I, yeah. I was working on passion projects. You know? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, exactly. Colombia was cool, man. Um, I will say from a chef perspective and I, so I was doing, um, I was working at a lot of the bars, helping them get those things organized because of my previous experience with barkeep. And, and I feel like barkeep really set me up with a great system to make cocktails quickly. So I went into the hotels and help them sort of refine things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. People down there though, they love really chunky cocktails. I don't no. know if you can identify with this from Costa Rica. There like, was like no cocktail scene in Costa Rica. Ex- like, I mean, it, very just, cl- it just didn't exist. Not even like a, a daiquiri. Or- there was a couple places that took, I mean, I was there for a year and a half and it took me, I would say almost the full first year to find a place that had like cocktail cocktails. Wow. Other than like, you can't, you could go into any bar and order your standard, you know, rum and Coke or, those kinds of things. Everybody carried Jack Daniels. So that was the whiskey that you had to drink. Mm-hmm. If you're like me and liked whiskey. Um, I quickly learned to just like rum better. <laughs> cheaper. Yeah, why not? It more was prevalent. Yeah, exactly cheaper, more like more prevalent everywhere. Yeah. And Florida Kanye is fucking fantastic. Thank you, Nicaragua. Yeah. Did they have the, I don't know how it was for you, but where I was, they would always in the, at the hostels, all these rum companies would hire these girls in bikinis. To oh, like, of course. Come and just pour shots. Promos, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, Lots of promos, yeah. And I mean, that was just kind of like I feel like the culture down there. Everybody at hostels is not dressed. Yeah, it's like a spring break. It's like it's not really spring break though. Yeah, it's it's actually more calm than spring break. It's just at Wednesday. least as far as like people. <laughs> and and here's why I'll say this, because in, in Colombia, that is really a part of the Caribbean. Like that, that kind of golf area. Right. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of people go there to vacation. So if you're from Chile, you go to, you know, you, you come up to Colombia and you you vacation just like, um, we might go to Florida or right. Right. So so there's a very similar kind of pair. It's a parallel. Mm -hmm. And so with, with that, you get a lot of tourists that are very globally minded and you get a lot of different types of, you know, a lot of different flavors of, of Latin, South American, Mesoamerican. Um, and then, you know, maybe some like people from Curacao or I got a lot of Europeans. Oh yeah, absolutely. I will say Europeans know how to vacation. Oh yeah. Like they are smart. I met people who like go on holiday. It's not vacation. It's holiday. Yeah. It's holiday. (laughs) I'm breaking it down for the listeners. I I don't know how many Europeans are listening, but we got a couple, I guess. I don't Mm -hmm. know. Not a lot. Germany. We're huge (laughs) in Germany. Huge in Germany. Oh, shout out Germany. Exactly. (laughs) We have ways of making you listen. A little too yeah. authentic. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. And the, the next guest is Klaus Schwab. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Mr. I crime mean, person. Yes, Mr. Mega World Crime <laughs> World Organization. Crime. Yes. Um, so, yeah, basically, like, seeing how... I did meet some Americans, and I kind of... Nobody really pegged me for an American. 
because I previously in my life had moved to Vancouver and everybody made fun of me for the way I said A's. Mm-hmm. So my friend's name is Andrew. Okay. I, when I was fresh out the Midwest, I was saying Andrew, mm-hmm. Andrew. right? And one more thing. Right. So I was saying like, eh, you know, my A's. Yeah. By the time I left Vancouver and I moved back, people were making fun of me because I was saying Andrew. Okay. Right. So there, there's this weird, and I'm, I'm, I really am a sponge. So I go down there and everybody's like, are you German? Everybody's asking me if I'm German. There are a lot of Germans that, yeah, travel that are yeah. traveling there or their version of expats there, their version of expats. Mm-hmm. And yeah, everybody p- took me for that. And uh, I would just, I wouldn't argue because I yeah, just roll with it. Yeah. Cause Americans honestly, are not looked around favorably no. at the bar. The, the American. So just traveling in general, Americans are definitely not looked on favorably, no favorably because they have, it's just more ignorance. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's part of our cultural mentality of like, so unfortunate. We're the best. We're the best, right? Yeah. And so people <laughs> take so that. Long, bro. That's they what go, we joke about too. We go ahead. I was just going to say, they take that mentality going into mm-hmm. literally other people's homes. It's not okay. And it's not a good way to start the luck. conversation. No. <laughs> like not taking your shoes off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's my house. No, it's actually not <laughs> your fucking house. <laughs> it's my house now. Uh-huh. Right? Like, oh yeah. boy. Yeah, I always joked about it with like the Fig Jam uh, acronym. It's like, fuck, I'm good. Just ask me. Fig Jam. <laughs> that Fig sounds jam. so American. It's so horrible, right? <laughs> <laughs> and that's how we're looked upon uh, internationally. Yeah. yeah, I met some people that one guy in particular, I was doing this like Thanksgiving kind of special. I had a turkey and some smoked pumpkin. I buried up, buried um these like kind of more like green pumpkins mm. under the coals of a fire. They had an asado. So I, I I said, Hey, whenever you're done, let me know. As soon as he was done grilling the steaks, I went and threw the pumpkins in there and came the next day and everybody was like, what's going on? Yeah. I pulled it apart, made a smoked pumpkin spinach special with some fried basil. So it looked really cool. And oh, fuck dude, yeah, you know, just kind of made like a Turkey platter and, you know, I had a handful of things on there and this one guy, he was from the Netherlands and he managed, um, like huge hedge funds. Okay. But this guy was, I was like, dude, you have all this money. What, you know, why wouldn't you just go somewhere else? Yeah. He's like, dude, hostels are the best place to meet people. I love the community and he was a really nice person. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and very handsome. So I'm sure he definitely met a lot of women, <laughs> yeah, sure. uh, but I was like, Hey man, I'm doing a special. You, you want to try it? He's like, yeah. So he, he orders a special. I bring it out to him. He's like, wow, that was really fast. I'm like, okay, <laughs> that's good. He eats it. He's like, this is very good food. And I have not had like a meal like this since I got here. That's always a nice, nice compliment there. And that was very close to the first part of the time when I was there. So I really got this from a very high end guest. I got this feedback that encouraged me to go do what essentially Visio was doing, which was working really heavily with seasonal stuff, working with local farmers. It's about the farmer first. What, you know, what do you have? What can we Mm -hmm. take and creatively put on the menu? Yeah. So that's what I started doing. We had mangoes by the pool. 
I would take green mangoes, pickle them, put them on salads. Oh, yeah. You know, just per, just kind of taking a... N- not what anybody else was really doing down well, there. Well, I think it's, you know, from your background, it's like you kind of touched on. It's taking, not only just taking what's around you, but like actually noticing what's around you. Yeah, exactly. And that too. then that goes into thought of what, okay, well, this is what is around. What can I do with that? Or how can we, you know, you're not just going to, everybody can eat a, a fresh mango from, you know, Mexico down, whatever, yeah. you know, but they kept them in buckets down there. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there's like, there's yeah. everywhere. Here's a five gallon bucket of mangoes. Of mangoes. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's a quarter, you know, <laughs> for a quarter. I did. I, the, the amount of mangoes during mango season rotting on the street. Oh yeah. Oh, I'm they're sure. Everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. They're everywhere. I'm, I'm sure. So, I mean, from, from my point of view, I saw a lot of no pun intended low hanging fruit. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and also super pun intended. Yeah, super <laughs> super pun. Intentional um, pun. But yeah, I mean even even like with if just just to break that down, that mango tree had leaves. So in the off season, I worked with this guy, he was like, "Hey, you know my my grandma takes these leaves and boils them and makes a drink and it's got a lot of vitamins and stuff and Nice. It's a lot of old school people do this." Huh. And I was like, Huh. So yeah, I yeah. I tried it. I'm gonna try it. And then I was like, this is cool. So I ended up making a mango leaf syrup from that. Dude. A little bit bitter. Yeah. And, you know, it, it it has its place. A lot of people down there, there is no cocktail culture really. Right. Yeah. I had a guy make me a Manhattan at a five star hotel in Bogota and he was like, the old guy's like, This is the best this is one of the best bartenders in the city. He shakes it right in front of me. Right. He puts it puts it in a <laughs> martini glass with ice with, with like broken ice. Yeah. What are you doing? Like yeah, no garnish or anything. I was like, I was That's like the man. best here, huh? <laughs> yeah, it kind of got me thinking. It, but they, they really like the fruity, chunky stuff down mm-hmm. there. Like, mm-hmm. oh, it's not a cocktail unless there's lots of f- chunky fruit. That's sort of right. the mentality. So when I got yeah. there, they're like, "Here's the pulp." Like we use, it. yeah. And the other weird. Here's what I'll say, and then I'm I'm gonna stop talking about this bar, <laughs> dude. I saw some sketchy stuff with alcohol and we're talking like without me like being too crazy about it like bathtub gin kind of stuff oh boy yeah Mm. crime people and i'm not gonna lie (laughs) crime crime people (laughs) crime gin (laughs) so i get half a bathtub of that crime gin (laughs) i know and i love it because the guy told me he's like listen man they're making this stuff in like this village. It's like more of a desert. It's like a beach desert kind of place. I won't say names just for the sake of. Right. Yeah, of course. Whatever. You know, it's better to just keep it vague. But um, yeah, they were like, and, and, and the crazy thing is like, I would see this stuff after, you know, Barkeep has great relationships with great spirit companies. Yes, okay? exactly. You know, your brother, same thing, right? It's very above board and it's very much like this is professional sales now. It's a craft, but it's also like you got to know your product. It's a business. Yeah, yeah. You gotta, exactly. Yeah. Down there, it's not like that. Right. And unless there's a handful of things like and but the class separation and then the tourists, the way that tourists think about alcohol, yeah. they're just there and they'll get whatever they can. Whatever is available. Yeah. yeah. So I'm talking about like 
bathtub cachaca. Oh yeah. <laughs> in paint jugs. Holy mm. shit. Oh, and when you get a whiff of oof. this stuff, it is it's rocket fuel. Rocket fuel. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean good God. And I'll tell you what, man, I, I had quite a few of those cocktails. <laughs> I can I mean, fly so many you rockets. Gotta, you gotta try it. Yeah. Dude, I, I had you never can't. had such a crime-forward cocktail in my life. <laughs> right. <laughs> crime-forward. <laughs> You'll enjoy this uh, bath, bathtub cachaca. It's very crime-forward. It is yeah. uh, and, aged and then, four to seven minutes. <laughs> yeah, it's like, exactly. It's like it's aged in paint barrels. This has been aged in a warm paint jug, five-gallon paint yeah. jug on the back of a motor cycle on never, the way here <laughs> never mind the gentleman's Shake thumb and, <laughs> and, and dude that i'm telling you man there was like barely in the jungle part of the palomino location there was it was really hard to get things there by truck all of the associations in the area were like hey we're gonna pay to get the roads paved mm-hmm. one problem paramilitary runs that oh yeah. fuck. so you put all this money in for the to the public sector to to make a road for you and guy's like, yeah, I don't know where the money goes. Yeah, it's just gone. <laughs> so, and it's gone. <laughs> and and, and it's I, gone. I think they also did that for a reason because sure. they're like, no, we're gonna we're gonna keep this road really hard to get down. Mm-hmm. And and a lot of people, I think control. a lot of people want it. It is control. Yeah, that's exactly. And it. so everybody's riding down, you know, like bumpy roads, and and like I'm saying, even the down there, all the Coca Colas in glass bottles. Sure, just, it's like Mexican Coke, right? Yeah. Right. So, and they, they come in these big crates and I would see these guys riding on motorcycles with like five huge fucking crates just stacked with bungee cords and they're like, you know, like running oh, yeah. by yeah. and like hitting bumps and you're like, don't open those Coca-Cola bottles when they get off. Let them sit for yeah. a while. Yeah. yeah. And it was pretty, cr- I have some pictures of this, but, and it's still amazing to me to even just look at it, but watching these guys roll through and. It's just a day for them. They're like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's I don't just, even think they've ever dropped one in their life. It's right. Just, just crazy. Do. And yeah. it's, and it's, it seems like an, it's against the laws of physics balancing act. <laughs> right. Yeah, like, like, how is this how possible? The fuck does that even happen? <laughs> and he does it every time, all day long. Every day. Never misses. Never misses. Yeah. Unreal. It's crazy. So, yeah, I mean, that's, yeah. that's kind of my bar situation down there. Food was a uh, really interesting man. People don't really have the same respect or even availability to take care of food the way we do. Oh yeah. Right. And, and that was very apparent. I got food poisoning like twice. I think maybe one more time actually that I can think about. Um, I, I, I know that I, I, it's like, I wanted to run this pork belly special. It was for this thing, and I talked with the, the one of the chefs of the locations. I said, Let, let's run a special. So we started building, and I, I asked the manager, I said, hey, can, we got to find a place where we can go. I want a, a cut. And yeah. he's like, okay. So we, we drive around to a handful of places. There's no pork, whole pork belly. Right. So I, I'm i like, well, I don't, this sucks. Yeah. He yeah. said, I got one more place. So, motherfucker, <laughs> I'm like, you slick, yeah, you sneaky crime person. <laughs> he takes me to this crazy, like, <laughs> tent city, like favela style. Like, right. it, oh, yeah. it's insane. And we walk in, and he takes us, like, through like three, four back rooms, and then opens this huge, dirty, dirty deep freezer, and there's just a bunch of dead pigs in there. Mm hmm. 
And he's like pointing at it like, this right. good? That's, this work? That's what you're looking for, right? And I'm like, this works. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> sort of. And, and then he takes it out and on a stump in the front, it's in the sunlight. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I Hasn't mean, been brushed there's off. no soap or anything anywhere. Nope. nope. He just throws the thing and starts chopping away at it. Yep. And he, he rolls it up and I was like, oh, <laughs> I'm going to do it. Yeah. And so I did. I made it. I don't, nobody else got sick. I got sick. Yeah. Well, other people are going to have a lot of the, they're used to a lot of it, right? right. So when, similar, you probably may have had something like this. When I first got down there, uh, and I don't know why they told me not to, but they're like, you know, like, they're like, the water's fine. Right. But it's different than what you're used to. So you might mm-hmm. get sick when you drink it. Now, thankfully, I did not. I went right for it. I was like, fuck that. I'm living here. Yeah, I got to You say in. it's clean. I'm drinking it. Mm-hmm. And I would drink it. And like, like I said, I did not get sick. But there were things that, you know, like upset. I, I wouldn't say I got a bunch of food poisoning or anything like that in Costa Rica, but it would upset my stomach. Yeah, get rubble it's, tummy. Yeah, it, yeah, a lot of it's like You're lucky, different bro. parasites, oh. different bacteria, different. I got one, dude. I mean, I lived in Mexico in the Yucatan for like four months and like month three got cholera. Oh, so that sucked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was so brutal. It's shit that we definitely take for granted is the amount of uh, care and like, the regulations, honestly, on, you know, food and agriculture and things like that that have to happen here in the United States mm-hmm. to keep food like safe. You know, we can you know, you can go get a, a whole hog somewhere and it's fine. Yeah. Whereas yeah. we take that for granted and you go somewhere else and you realize well, you might be getting it from the. Yeah. A, Deep freezer run by generators in a tent city. (laughs) Oh man. Yeah. Barely, barely hanging on. Oh geez, dude. It's like, is that a warm pig in the freezer? Mm-hmm. Like are we just <laughs> and it's just right on the What's stuff going on here. Yeah, just, yeah, we're just gonna cut this up right now. Right, that's how here. you get your B twelve, right? Like, <laughs> it's I'm mostly pretty from sure dirt. I got fo- food poisoning from like lettuce. You know, there's yeah, exactly. it's like some stuff of the stuff that's just not stuff. washed well. Mm-hmm. And I, I do. I mean, dude, it's a bad flashback, but I just I was held up for days, and um, even going between the coastal cities to go to the other locations like Bogota, that the elevation change oh. really made me sick. Yeah. yeah. I can imagine. Yeah. And I mean, it, it was a great, Oh my God, it was great. Um, I, Bogota was super crazy because my, my landlord who I was, was co-renting with, um, his last name was Escobar. Of course it was. <laughs> yeah. And and I'm going to tell you, this guy was a very smart man. All right? right. He wasn't like a dummy named Escobar. Right. He was, uh, he spoke like multiple languages. He was a journalist. Nice. He had this beautiful apartment that overlooked uh, Parque de los Periodistas. So journalist park. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it, it's so crazy. It's at the foot of Montserrat and there, it's just like the highest peak and people travel up there. They make the travel every Sunday. They walk up this mountain and wow. do their prayers and come back down. And this guy was very fit. He was older. He was the investor, one of the investors in the hotel. He was also my landlord. He's like, I got an apartment. Very cool. Um, very educated and just, man, what a guy. Um, and honestly, 
that was a that was a really great way to be accepted there. He always had barbecues on the roof, and oh hell yeah, it was man. And he was like, they really liked the Argentinian style. So, but also they were they were grilling like tripe. Oh yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. The the tr- punta de anca and like some of these other cuts of meat that are like just let's sear it really nice and then we'll we'll cut it up up and and we'll eat it right here there's no need for plates right yep so that was i mean dude it was it was a really great thing that was the colonial space much more colonial um one thing that i really noticed going between the coastal cities to bogota is that the spanish there is very clear it's very clear people actually really enunciate their words so helpful in for the costeños, they say porfa. They don't say por favor. Right. Right. Yep. Absolutely. And, yeah. and it's it's slightly confusing, but once you get the hang of it, you're like, yeah, once I don't you think pick I, it out. Yeah. 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 And so I I did kind of have a little bit of a struggle with the identity of the Spanish I was learning. Like I, <laughs> you know, learning the the syntax is cool, but then how it's all broken down. Um, I really liked the intellectualism. I felt like. Bogota had much more of a punk rock feel. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Very Absolutely. different than the Costeño yeah. lifestyle, which was really just kind of leaning up against a wall and <laughs> thinking about, you know, what pizza spot am I going to go to later <laughs> right. tonight yeah. right. and play pool with my friends and, yeah. right. and Blair music. Ooh, very loudly. Very yes. loudly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Either reggaeton or, or bayonato or something. Uh, yeah, um, for sure. <laughs> All right. Well, we promised it, and I want to make sure that you get some time to do it. So before we jump into our yes. our last bit of silliness to wrap it up, I want you to let every everyone here know some of your shameless self promotion. So whether it be yeah. current spot, I know there's some uh, musical things happening. So let it out, man. Yeah. What yeah. So I mean, I've been on a pretty long journey, and I would say throughout life outside of cooking, I've just been a generalist. I'm pretty much into whatever. So right now, what I'm doing a lot is just consulting, a lot of sales and biz dev, um, a lot of business development, a lot of just working on projects, um, you know, working with other great companies. I really, my company is called Wild Era. It's two words, wild and era. I started thinking a lot about sort of what times we're living in and what are the opportunities. And we have a lot of access to things. We got a lot of knowledge so there is a thing about respecting the past, but also really keeping an eye on the modernization of things. And so a lot of my food uh, for a while was centered around sort of asking that question, like, what does that look like? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but last year, while Dara took uh, a turn, my dad had a stroke and a heart attack back to back. So I started thinking. This podcast is not brought to you by Fireball. If you are enjoying the show, please share with two friends, subscribe from your favorite platform, or check out our website at sparkleuppod.com. Follow us on our socials, at sparkleuppod for Twitter and TikTok, at sparkleuppodcast for Instagram, or just Google sparkleuppodcast. Drink tomorrow, Montenegro. What could I do with all of this experience, this farm-to-table knowledge, my great mentors, all of these people that have taught me all of these wonderful philosophies and techniques. How could I do that? And how could I help people to eat better, feel better? Mm-hmm. Uh, cause, cause there's a thing about wellness that the big reason why I don't say wellness is because it feels kind of like coined. Mm. And, uh, I don't really, the, the point of me cooking healthier is not 
it is a holistic, I want to have a holistic experience for people, but I really don't want to play into the, or pander to what wellness is in the sense, like, it's like, yo, my dad can't have a lot of salt. He can't have a lot of fat. Yeah. It's whatever fat he does have or whatever salt he does have has to be really well thought out. So I started really taking those techniques of like, okay, I'm doing these dinner parties. I'm doing pop-ups. I want to grow more concepts, but I want to do it around. Okay. Like I'm going to make a a dish and I'm going to make sure that that dish is cooked well. So if it's, uh, for example, I got a cauliflower dish, um, I blanch the cauliflower until the gas is gone and it's still al dente. It's got that fiber. Mm -hmm. Okay. I take all the trimmings. I puree it with some sweat down onions, very light oil, very light salt. And I puree the hell out of it until it's super silky. Mm -hmm. I make a nice pepper sauce. Nothing's really sweet, but it's all very savory. And there's like this like wood fired kind of pepper, peel the skins off. Culturally, I learned this with a couple different people saw it a lot in Colombia. take the skin off because it's just got pesticide. I mean, right. Yep. It's, it's all it's, the stuff yeah. on it. Yep. There's stuff on it. Yeah. So you get it off and you get the real nice tender caramelized flavor, but uh, a little smoky. So a little drama. It's kind of like my take on a cream of cauliflower dish. Interesting. Little, yeah. Yeah. And, and then I add some colors to it and I use some creative, like um, blue spirulina nice. and I create like this sunset, cauliflower cloud scenario yeah and the point of that dish is to use all my waste yep. to cook with very light oil i'm not deep frying anything i'm not right. this is not it's very tasty food it's not rich a lot of people make rich food a big turning point for Wildera and what i'm doing now with food is saying i want to make food that's beautiful people can really have fun um, if it's colorful, it, it kind of reminds me like hook, you know, where they're like throwing food at each oh, other, yeah. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, like yeah. the colors of them. <laughs> mm-hmm. I really wanted people to feel like, wow, I'm actually interacting with something that I, I, I'm like, what is this? Um, right. yeah. but it's healthy. And at the end of the day, it can be really fun, beautiful and healthy. It's right. just kind of, it's a line you, you can, you have to like really balance that and really think about it. So I'm very lucky to have the experience at Vicia and different farm to table because they really think, Hey, how can we be really thoughtful about preparation? But the only other thing I do is season a la minute. So I don't really put salt, a lot of salt on until that last minute. Yep. Because things people don't realize about processed foods, the sodium is so high because salt disperses. Yeah. Yes. You got a lasagna that's been frozen. There's a lot of salt that goes in that because if you just taste salt, it's very salty. Right. But if you put it into a spoonful of mashed potatoes and give it a second, you might have to put more salt in just to have that same, even yeah. close to the same level. Sure. Yeah. So, you know, I really like to do things last minute so people get that pop of salt, but their whole dish isn't ridden with sodium. Right. Yeah, exactly. You're not just... You're not just- Taking it up and up and up to get well, to yeah, a level. Well, yeah, I mean, dude, that- it's like, you know, working at the sushi bar that we worked at together. It's like people would put a slice of ginger on every single piece of sushi. I'm like, what do you? You just, you're just, <laughs> you just like ginger. That's fine. Right. You should just but eat you're, some ginger. You're ruining it for what this is supposed to be, right? It's a palate cleanser, not 
sushi ginger or ginger sushi or whatever. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like. I love it. <laughs> I, I love ginger. I mean, I, I do too. I, I but put it's it like, in my soy sauce. I, I don't know. It's, maybe I'm weird. No judgment. I just put it in the soy sauce and let that ginger flavor get yeah. in the soy. Mm-hmm. I've never even used it as a palate cleanser, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, okay. that's yeah. technically what it's for for real sushi, which is just, you know, different types of fish, not rolls, like right. nigiri. But, it's, yeah, it's the same thing. It's just like, mm. you know, it's just overkill. If you just do it that way, you're like, you're not really having an experience. You're just, you know, well, I mean, for lack of a better term, you're, you're just ruining it. You're just but, ruining it. But yeah. yeah, I mean, uh, so, so that's kind of like how my food philosophy is changing. I do a lot of private... You know, just anybody who wants to do a party or they want to do like something. I've had a lot of really amazing people um, come through and I go to their place or how, however that kind of whatever that looks like. Um, and then uh, I play a lot of music. I'm a musician and yeah, nice. I play guitar, piano, I sing. I've got a single on Spotify. Boom. Boom. The, the start of new. The start, start of new. new. Yeah. And it's as the artist, just Jonathan Lorenzen. So my artist name is Jono. J O N O David. John O David. David. Yep. J O N O David. Check it out. Yeah, go check it out. Pizza. Yeah. Uh, I love it, man. I, I actually at the time I was listening to a lot of Billy Joel. So nice. I was thinking, you know, I was just like, <laughs> wow, you know, I love yeah. Billy. He's oh, yeah. he's amazing. And um I was just kind of like, man, I really want to play. I was playing music a lot earlier in my life, and then I, I at some point I was like, oh, I feel so silly for wanting to do this. And for some reason I stopped, I, I, I stopped. And then I stopped telling myself I was silly, right. went through some hard times and was like, I got to start loving myself again. Yep. Started working out, playing music. There it is. Damn right. So yeah, I'm uh, doing a lot more jam sessions with people. So nice. it's, it's a lot of fun. Very Hell cathartic. Yeah. Well, dude, I mean, same thing here, right? Like we, like where we're sitting right now doing this silliness. It's like, you can't shut that part of yourself off. I mean, it's never going to go away. If you want to go be, you know, president business, you can do that. <laughs> but I mean, but who are you, the crime president? Yeah, what are you, <laughs> president crime? <laughs> I think this is, you know, you know. Obviously, we can't thank you enough for going through your journey of, of yeah, life man, and experiences is... with us. But it it gives us something too. I mean, like, hopefully, it gives you something. But you know. That's what we kind of want to share with, you know, whoever wants to listen is, you know, just those life experiences. And, um, yeah, it's, it's extremely rewarding to just, you know, be in your presence and hear how articulate you are and how well thought out, you know, the the things that we've covered are. Man. And I... I Truly appreciate it. I mean, yeah, it's thanks, so man. great. This has been a yeah. beautiful thing. Now to I'm, be silly though, I am and, just yeah. super mad at Peter for just now us meeting. So that's pretty rude of him. But yeah, that's probably my bad. <laughs> what the heck, man? <laughs> Brutal. Words can't just... express how articulate I feel. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. All right. So hey, such to a talk gooder guy, to get <laughs> back into our judgmental selves. Yes. Um, we need you to give us like one or two terrible bartender or chef thoughts that you've had, mm -hmm. whether it be about the clients, the staff, however you felt it. Mm -hmm. It came from an idea that my brother Patrick would, when he was working too many bar shifts at a place <laughs> that he didn't like all the people mm -hmm. and he would jot down notes about the shit that he felt 
but wouldn't say. Yeah. Yeah. I love so, that. Yeah. First of all, let me just say that Pat is an amazing person. Yeah, he's great. I've always I've always really admired him. Uh, <laughs> so the first when whenever I we came up with this in conversation or whenever this came up in conversation, my first thought is like I don't really have a lot of negative thoughts about other people as much. Like I try to just kind of I I'm the type of person that kind of looks more inwardly and criticizes mm. myself. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, but I have, I also have a pretty wild imagination. And so when I'm in multiple instances, um, because the kitchen is such a dangerous place. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and I feel like that Actually, can go yeah. really unacknowledged. Um, there's, I mean, especially at Vissia, there's a, let me think about how hot that French top is. Oh my God. Just like if you, if you fell and somebody didn't say behind and you tripped, mm. you, you, if you could see her, your face, like you could, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. It, it would be it in would, an instant, like, or your hand, like it would be instantly, like it was very hot. And I have these moments where I'm cutting something and it's almost like in the, in another dimension or something. Mm hmm. I see Ugh. my finger get cut off. Right. Ugh. Absolutely. Right. And I, I feel it and I see it and I Ugh. hear it, the crunch and the, mm-hmm. and I can, I I can visual. It's weird. I, I actually have you these experience weird it. experiences where I'm doing something and I just kind of like, it gives me a shiver where I, I'm like, Oh, like I feel like, oh, in my mind, damn. like yeah. I actually Ugh. cut my finger or, and I think part of that comes from actually having, having those it. moments. Oh yeah. I've never mm-hmm. cut my finger off, but um, another good one is is um, same vein. Uh, I was making bread a lot, so I'm God a baker. Burning your arms on fucking every oven. Well, that <laughs> dude, even worse. Honestly, I'd much rather burn my oven than get my arm mangled by a big Hobart stand mixer. Oh, oh, dude. Yeah. That, I think about that. We were. Mm-hmm. T- I was talking with my buddy today. We were talking about like what are some fucked up chef thoughts, and he's like, <laughs> dude, I know a girl who got her finger sucked into an ice cream machine. They were oh, like, hey, sh- don't put your finger in there. And she went to try to like no. take, mm-mm, poke mm-mm. and test. And it just ripped, ripped the finger off. Holy Whoa. shit. So I have these moments where I, I see like, and my imagination creates this reality. It's it's not there, but yeah, but I, I feel I can like, I can see my arm getting mangled by this Hobart mixer. Yeah. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Well, that's and, what I mean. But oof. being able to see that prevents it from happening right because you are extremely freaking careful when you're around that type of equipment yeah yeah. you do not fuck around i I, and i think there is something to be said like it is a fucked up thought but unless you have that thought like are you really acknowledging the the danger danger? that's in front of you yeah because if you're careless it's the it's that's even worse i'd much Mm -hmm. rather imagine my arm getting mangled than not even thinking about it and just being like oh i think i'll i think i'll bench some flour off the side of that bowl well (laughs) next thing i know my arm i i'm literally like (laughs) i have i have literally no arm yeah (laughs) it it off or it just keeps sucking me into the bowl and And you just become a mangled piece of part of the dough yeah and they're like and then they're the villain villain origin story doe man doe man <laughs> so yeah i mean that that and then uh, i don't know man i'm trying to think of like a bartender thought i mean dude the the kind of the the only thing that really makes i would say a lot of bartenders really furious is just when i've 
prepped and done stuff and people just reach over and oh god i just want to be like that's not hey man what the fuck is your problem yeah <laughs> why are you touching that don't 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 touch stuff don't, don't touch stuff that's what i do yeah. i do that and then hand it to you but that's it's like that's not necessarily i feel like from i i don't know it's like is that really fucked up it's just sort of like people are just kind of like ignorant yeah. well yeah. it's like the burrito throwing guy what are you doing? Like just, how how you, you, uh, just I told you it was extremely just hot. Just exactly. fucking open your ears. This is a face melter, dude. <laughs> like, come on. All right. I, I mean, that's good. That's a, I like that's that. I love the the different thought take on that, mm -hmm. actually. I think that's because it doesn't necessarily have to be like, you know, expunging negativity about, you know, shitbag humans. But dude, and let me just say this. I I do have those. Oh yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I, I mean, there's this one kid from Washu was doing an internship. He was like, I want to cook food, too. And he came in and did something. And I said, listen, man, if you're going to pick through this, do do the big ones and then get the big ones out of the way. And then you'll you'll have more visual. You'll, you'll be able to see and work more clearly through the small little. We were doing garlic, I think, at the time. Mm -hmm. I just kind of was like, here's a go for the low hanging fruit, the big bulbs. You can squeeze out the garlic confit. He didn't do that. He didn't listen. And I'm just so pissed because I'm like, dude, you're taking forever to do this. Right. Yeah, like <laughs> sometime I, this month would be great. I don't have a backup plan. This is my only plan. This is my only plan. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, he's doing, you know, and that's the other thing. is like when people do, when people do tasks, like it's their backup plan. Oh, yeah. Like, right. ah, I'll do this if maybe. Scramble. Like, come on. It's like, dude, how about if you're doing it, just take care and, and do it well and try to learn yeah, something maybe. from it. Yeah. I, I don't know what that is too. And I, I don't know if it's a generational thing or, or what it is, but it's like, it's the couldn't someone else do it mentality. It's just like, I mean, you know, I, I don't understand what it takes for you to be so entitled that like, maybe it's the cell phone, I, you know, everything is at the palm of your hand. You know, we kind of touched on that a little bit. Um, but it, it's something about, yeah, just like you said, like, take care and just do it well. Like, it's just not... Yeah, at least try. Yeah. Like, hey, exactly. how could I do this better? I can't tell you how many times I walked up to my chef and said, hey, is this okay? I'm sure. checking because partly I've had the exactly. problem in my life where I don't believe in myself. So right. I, I, in many ways, and in many ways in a toxic way in the kitchen... If you find you can find that sort of relationship where somebody's validating you or, yeah, you know, yeah, I know other people that it's the opposite. They want to be treated like a piece of shit. Yeah. And that motivates them. I'm not like that. I just want to keep checking. And, I just want to learn. Exactly. Um, yeah. But, you know, over time that I think I've gotten rid of the toxic side of that and just kept more of like the, hey, I, you yeah. know, the truth is I do want to learn. And, yeah. you know, the validation is not as important. Yeah, I get that for sure. Absolutely. No. All right. Time for more silliness. And I know that you haven't been drinking a whole lot lately, so just bear with the idea of when you were. Mm -hmm. Okay. When, you know, as an, as you may enjoy <laughs> beverages. Right. It's time for the MFK. So the marry one, fuck one, kill one mm -hmm. of drinks. Yes. So you guys have the drinks already. Yeah, we're we're did, yeah we did that this morning. We're going to them at me. We're going to give you the three. And no, no particular order. Exactly. No particular order. And you have to marry one, fuck one, and kill one. Mm -hmm. All right. So number one, a Sazerac. Okay. 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 Number two, 
the Kuiperinia. Okay. And number three, and I had to look this up to try to give you one that you may have seen, Aurefajo. Have you heard of that? Listed as a Colombian drink, so I put down the ingredients it, just in case. Is it like a, I'm just going to go out on a limb here, is it like a really juicy cocktail and there's some orange? No, no it? it's a weird one. So, weird does it one. have um, aguardiente? Or yes. Oh, yeah. Yes, it does? It does. Okay, okay. All um, right, well, so we're on, we're on, we're in the So, area. so yeah. why don't you just tell me that? Because I don't, yeah. I don't know if I want right. to kill, marry, or fuck somebody I don't know, first right. of all. Understood. You know. Aguardiente with pale lager and then Colombian soda. That's all it is. So it's literally just like a light cocktail that's just heavy liquor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it probably drinks like fucking all water. candy. Yeah. <laughs> like it probably sure. is just so simple. All right. And- all right. All right. So I'm definitely killing that one. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Understood. There's no, there's no doubt about it. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm going to tell you before I answer the other ones, the Aguardiente, which is made regionally in Colombia. Mm-hmm. Okay. You go to each different. That's the bad tub gin, isn't it? It's, no, no, no. no. It's, it's more like a Sambuco, like a, what's the anise flavor? Yeah, Sambuco. Sambuco. Yeah, Sambuco. Mm-hmm. So basically it's very much like that. Uh, very anise forward. Mm-hmm. Very sweet. And they have the red cap and the blue cap for the Antioqueño. And um, basically it's just like people t- ice it. They chill it on ice buckets and they do chupitos. They do like right. little shots. Okay. And that's yeah. how you drink that. Right. And I would gladly, that that's a great experience, but in a cocktail, I just say, kill it. Mm-hmm. Got it. Okay. Okay. Now this might be controversial. <laughs> no, it's not more crime. <laughs> I would, I'm really, I'm, so I just went to New Orleans. So I, I really, really, I had a Sazerac and I, I loved it. It's, it's great. I yeah. think, I think I, I'm so on the fence. <laughs> I can tell. <laughs> but I, I think I would marry the Sazerac because it's, it's closer to home. Mm-hmm. Music, huge music city. Yeah. Yeah. It's a damn good cocktail. Absinthe is very unique. Yeah. Yes. And a spritz of that goes a long way and it really does change the profile. Yeah. It's like um, and then the Caipirinha. Yeah. I'd fuck it all day. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Fuck it all day. On the yeah. beach. Yeah. yeah. Wherever. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Dude. On the beach, it. in the hostel. Not a- <laughs> I'm so glad. Yeah. 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 That's and, awesome, and that's man. the thing, man. Like, actually, <laughs> there's a bartender in St. Louis, uh, Terry, who. He uh, runs um, Frasers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I met him okay. a long time, long while back. Terry, Terry's an OG, knows his stuff. Nice. I got back from Columbia, and I was like, "Yeah, man, I've been doing this thing." And he's like, "Hold on," and he <laughs> run, and he runs and he, he runs, starts running around the bar, and really quickly and neatly makes me a caipirinha, oh, and he sets yeah. it down in front of me with the biggest eyes, like, like tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me, because he knows I've had a ton, right. sure. and also. I was having the like the bathtub version, yes, cachaça. Yeah. So I tasted it. I was like, "This is great," and it's really hard. Like, if you build it traditionally, just Google it. Yeah. You yeah. build it in a glass. You do it traditional. It's very hard to mess up. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Very hard yeah. to mess up. You can mess up Sazerac, which is why it's made really nice. I'll marry it. That's right. There you go. Beautiful. That was fantastic. Yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> it's time for some awesome list. Time for the time to make it weird. Yep. Okay. I'm ready to so, go. Okay. Cool. Five things, and again, of any part of your life, experiences, mm-hmm. 
um, whether it's something you've learned and are proud of, whatever, whatever you want to take on it. Five things that make you, Jonathan, awesome. All right. <laughs> it's okay. We it's know. all right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Does everybody take a long pause for this? There it's are a pretty few. common, yeah. There's some people that had it put together. There's some that, like this, you, know, you just put some thought into it. And So, one of the things that I can say from a philosophical thing that helps me to feel great about life, go forward, makes me who I am. I like to look at problems as opportunities. That's the number. That's number one. I like that. The obstacle is the way. Mm -hmm. So when people complain and they say, oh, this or that, this motherfucker, blah, blah, blah. A lot of people tend to either group grope or they they go, yeah, I want to. And they they all, you know, they all jump in on it. And, you know, it's like. It's like a wolf pack or tear, tearing the meat up, right? Yeah, of course. <laughs> but I'm sitting here going, and, ma- and I don't want to like mansplain here, but <laughs> it's, it's your awesome list, dude. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I just feel like the important part is instead of really giving into, oh man, this is bad. This is a problem. Really just going, man, I wonder what the universe is trying to show me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I have a few examples of that, but you know, it, I would say definitely when you experience a problem, when I experience a problem, especially now I've taken more time to become emotionally intelligent. And I think that, that kind of segues into my number two is the thing that makes me awesome. I've been doing music for a long time and I did quit for a while. Um, I stopped for reasons of, you know, just being, not taking care of myself. Music um, has helped me to see the individual side of life. Um, and not, not individual, I guess it's just more so like breaking things down, like how to think about things. Like I can play things by ear. I can listen to something and I can play it back. And nice. that's a thing that I, I really love to do. Am I perfect? No, I don't even want that. Right. What I want to do is I want to hear a song that moves me and I want to play it and play it and play it. And, yeah, exactly. Um, I think in that way I'm tenacious and I'd, I'd really like to pursue music that way. And that, that kind of is what led me to putting my thoughts and stuff down on paper and piano and guitar and releasing this, um, you know, song on Spotify and Apple Music Say out on again. all platforms. Out Say it again. <laughs> um, What's the name of that? Find my link tree. <laughs> John O'David. John O'David. What's yep. the name of the song? Uh, it's called The Start of New. The Start, Start of, of New. new. Yeah, Beautiful. I'm on, uh, you know, actually going through that journey was a huge thing. Um, um, yep, that was two. That's, that's two. number two. I would say I have a really fun background in sales training. Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> I love to get in and take that, you know, a lot of these are related, like being creative, problem solving, seeing the problem as the opportunity. The other day I did this, like I'm getting more into, you know, I have been doing sales. I've done it Had a lot of like real estate sales, um, experience training. Um, I sold grand pianos for a while. Holy shit. Wow. Uh, That was a lot of fun. It was during a stint of my music career. Um, and I learned a lot about, 
how to qualify people. And, and I'm not selling something. I'm finding out actually what, what you care about, what you value. Does this work for you? Yeah. Are you going to come back to me in 30 days and be like, I don't want this anymore. You're going to cancel your order. No, right. I don't want that. I want to legitimately find out, um, what's important. And I think the top part of my, the thing that makes that, that this point is really asking people questions to clarify and connect. You know, a lot of people miss that step when they're trying to connect with customers or, or guests. They're like, Oh, I have a solution for you. Right. The moment somebody the has a problem. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's like, like maybe listen, you can have solutions. There's nothing wrong with that. Right. But putting that before connecting and saying like, I'm hearing you say this, mm -hmm. that this is a pro problem for you. Like I, that's important to me too. Right. Really making that. And if it's not important, don't say that. That's a lie. Right. You should be lying to people. Right. So, so yeah, that's really important to me. Um, and then, then clarifying, is this, is this what you mean by that? And then offering a solution. Right. Instead, a lot of people just really bypass that. And yeah. I think a good example that I have of, um, I, I sold like a $25,000 baby grand. Damn. Yeah. yeah. Okay. This guy comes in, he's from Boeing. He's retiring. Always wanted to play the piano. He's like, yeah, just, it's my dream. I've got some money. I want to do this yeah. and that. So I take him around and I show him kind of what we have. We have these really beautiful Kawhi hand-built Japanese pianos. And I sit him down and I'm like, let me teach you a little thing. So we get him to interact with it. Mm -hmm. See if he really likes the dang thing. Cause how is he going to buy a $25,000 piano for me that he's never played? Right. Why would yeah. he do that? Yeah. yeah. But, but my competitors at the time didn't think about that. So all the other salespeople that are at the, the Yamaha store and the Steinway and he went basically, he didn't want to buy that day, which is in the sales world. It's like, Oh man, I really want a hard close. Right, right? right. But it's a big decision. So I'm like, okay, yeah. All I can do is ask you a question. Yeah. If you went home today and you decided you did not want this, what would be the reason why? Right. And he sat there and was like, I'm just afraid I wouldn't play it. Sure. And it was a very, I mean, it was a very clear objection to me. Uh -huh. It had nothing to do with the quality, quality of the piano, the product. He really liked it. I could tell, but there was still something keeping him. It was yeah. his, his hesitance to like really follow through. Like, am I going to follow through with my dream? So I said, well, we sat down, you sat down at the piano and mm. you played this little song, this diddly. Did you, did that get, was that exciting for you? He was like, yeah, you know, that really was. And he, we just sat there in that moment and he acknowledged that. He, and I said, okay, well, here's their information. He goes away. He goes to the other stores and he comes back the next day ready to buy the piano. And he says, all the other people... All they did was talk shit. They literally said, oh, that's bull crap. I didn't say anything about my competitors or the products. I just said, yeah. here's what makes this great. Yeah. If you didn't want to get it, what would be the reason why? Can I clarify anything for you? And, and that was it. It was his own little thing. And none of those people connected with him about his dream and, you know, like the service and the product, how, you know, asking the question, how can we get to that for you? So he was like, yeah, they all talk shit. They all were, and none of them did what you did. And so that I think was a huge definer of something that I took with me the rest of my life that I'm willing to ask the questions instead of try to 
present solve a solution. the problem immediately. Right, give exactly. That solution. So yeah. that's that's the third one. Yeah, number three. Legit. Yeah. Um, I would say I'm kind of a wild card. <laughs> Sometimes I mean I'm not yeah. not like in the sense like what you'd think like Hollywood wild. Card. No, I like that though. That's a yeah. good. Yeah, that's a good one. I'm always doing different projects. Mm-hmm. I'm not afraid of the unknown. And I'm willing to make myself uncomfortable to learn. And at this time in my life, those things are just now paying off. Yeah. I didn't get in a lot of debt for college. Mm-hmm. I have had over, God, it's been probably over like 50 official jobs. Like yeah, over. Wow. I mean, it's it's been a lot. And yeah. I really started that going, I'm going to get a new job every 90 days because that's typically when people do like reviews yeah. and I can decide <laughs> if I want to stay or not. Is, sure. is this meant for me? And sometimes I, I can probably say that I've only really been fired from like two or three jobs right. out of all oh, of those. So my numbers yeah. are pretty good. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's wild. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, in, in that sense, like, and I've had a, all kinds of things. Like I, I've started a lot of projects, companies that have failed, but I don't see that as failure. I, I see that as a stepping stone to sure. get to where, when, like right now I'm talking with this guy who he has this project called Lutopia. And he's envisioning what the city landscape could look like with, you know, living walls and and orchards. And how can we reimagine what the metropolitan, uh, you know, what what that scenario looks like? Um, And so we're talking about this idea of bringing a lot of these, you know, in somewhat Colombian or Thai or these other experiences that I've had cooking with great chefs and being in these tropical environments. How can we bring that to a place where it's not year round? Yeah. And, And so, you know, we're talking about that and. How do we put tangible agricultural, um, you know, like this, like blend of modern agriculture? How do we take that and bring that into um, what that could look like for a business in the city? How can we realize his dream? How can how can we build something? You know, right now we're just talking. It's just sort of a but it's nevertheless, it's another really great start of a project that I'm able to align my values with somebody. And we're able to think about the future in a different way than you know, nobody's talking about this. Like I, yeah. I, as a chef, I, I'm like, how do I have a mango with less food mileage? Right. Exactly. So yeah. I, I'm really like willing to think about the possibilities and kind of like, what is it going to take to make this happen? And for that, I think that wild card really helps me with my consulting and things like to think outside of the box. Yeah. It's hurt me, but the older I get and the more experience I get, the more I'm yeah. like, oh, I'm going to, refine that i can still go explore yeah. but but that's growth yeah. right i mean that's you exactly know, what it is like you yeah. said i mean like the things that have failed are you know we joked about it with i don't remember who we had on but it's like you know there's kind of an adage of like you know an expert is somebody that's figured out every possible way to fail right yeah. exactly. so when you become an expert at something it's like like making an egg or cooking an egg a certain way it's like you know there's a million different ways to do it and there's a million different ways to fail at it but to do something perfectly, you've figured out all those ways to fail. Right. You keep failing until you, you get know. It. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. <clears throat> um, I think the other thing, which is crazy, I have this from my childhood. I grew up in church and I don't really go to church anymore. I no. studied the Bible. I did, did a lot of things. I went to like this Bible college kind of a situation and 
lot of things didn't really fully make sense for me. I really earnestly prayed and asked yeah. God to talk to me. And there were some things that I, you know, didn't quite understand. And I would say the, the, we're on number five, right? Yeah. yeah number five, five right here. <laughs> so I would say the thing that makes me awesome now is that I really care about the universe spiritually, what's going on. I believe that things come back around that, you know, it's not good to lie. It's not good. You know, I, I feel like I've been on a journey of building my character and, you know, I've been attacked by people who have opinions about me or this or that. Mm -hmm. And as time's gone on, I feel I've done whatever I can to make good decisions, to not lie, to build my character from the inside out. And when people come at you and you're doing that, you're like, dude, you and you guys too, right? Like you're, if you have good character, the only person who can destroy that is you. That's exactly Correct. right. Yeah. Yeah. People can attack your character all day. Sure. But the only person who can really destroy that is you. And I don't give a fuck about people's opinions. About That's right. Me. Yeah. Yeah. So if, if you know me and you're my friend, and even if you're not my friend, I'm pretty much nice to people. I don't yeah. motherfuck anybody. No, I've never seen that from you at all. No. We've always had extraordinarily positive interactions. Yeah. Like, yeah, and, and I want to keep it that way. Right. Besides, yeah. there are people, though, I will say, there are people that are like toxic positive. Have you ever met somebody <laughs> like oh, that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> like overly positive it, about well, it. That's when it's just fake or forced, you know, where yeah. you, you can tell that something is not exactly there. And they're it, yeah. pushing this positive because maybe something inside is fucked. Right. You it's know. like the mega church dude. Yeah. What's his name? Uh, Joel. 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 Good old Joel. Joel. Good With the money Joel. lined in his bathroom wall. The cash. <laughs> right. like, it's like, what? why are you putting cash in your bathroom wall, dude? I got no other spot for I, it. Just, um, the, so, the so I ran out of space. Yeah, I actually said this to somebody the other day. You know, I'm very open-minded. Yeah. But... And I heard this actually during Bible college. <laughs> this guy said, I'm open-minded, but not so open-minded that my brain falls out. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. You gotta, yeah. And I, I think really. Still have to be grounded. You can be open-minded and grounded. Yeah. And that, I think that really has to be a contributing factor in your relationship with other people. I can keep an open mind about whatever you want to say. But that doesn't mean I have to lose my mind over it. That's right. Yeah. And yeah. some people really, they don't have that governance of like, I, I'm going to regulate myself and I'm going to have this inner parent child relationship to say, okay, I would want to respond this way or I would, you, you just gotta, you gotta build your character and you have, you can be open-minded, but you have to have like that regulation where mm -hmm. your, your mind's not falling out. And I would say like recently in my life, that's something that has made my life better. I'm not even going to say it makes me awesome. It's just made my life so much better. Yeah. And it's open opportunities. And, you know, has there been times where my character was not good? We've all done things that we're not proud of. Sure. But I'm yeah. open and honest about it. And yeah. I'm willing to change. And I'm willing to get criticism and feedback from anybody. Yeah. That's right. And you keep that growth cycle going. Yeah. Well, Jonathan, we, we set the record. High score. High score for sure. All the crimes. <laughs> it's a damn oh. crime. We set the record. We have 
nothing but amazing content with you here again. I can't thank you enough, man. It's been yeah, beautiful, eye-opening, uh, insightful. Um, I knew when I threw you on the list, it would be an awesome. I had no interview. idea. I was like, well, what was this guy's He's background? Like, like, he kind of tells me a little see. bit. I'm like, cool. <laughs> yeah, and, and cool, this cool. is my first. This is my first time putting in anything like this on the record. Well, fantastic. I'm well, I appreciate you doing it, man, for sure. You chose us to to get it out there, too. Yeah. Um, I love it. With Without any more, I mean, as always, sparkle up. Sparkle up. Sparkle up. Thank you again for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please share this podcast with a few friends that would enjoy it as well. Word of mouth is always a great way to get others interested. As mentioned, please do like, share, and subscribe. You can find us at sparkleuppod.com with links to everything sparkly. If you want to become a member sparkler, go to our Patreon and find a level that fits you. Every bit counts. Thank you again. As always, sparkle up. Sparkle up.